Lynch has been hailed as a master of surrealism. This has been true since the moment he started making films. As a student, he attended the AFI's Center for Advanced Film Studies, and he used his time there to start working on Eraserhead. Oh, you are sick. Films like Blue Velvet, Lost Highway, and The Elephant Man further boosted his reputation for surreal, dreamlike, and abstract filmmaking. Mommy. Mommy loves you. Baby wants to fuck. Oh, no. oh, no. Get ready to fuck! You fuckers, fucker! You fucker! Oh, hey. oh. Don't you fucking look at me! And in 1990, David Lynch created the television serial drama Twin Peaks. Twin Peaks had two seasons before getting canceled by ABC. This was followed by a film prequel, Fire Walk With Me. At the time, it was a full decade before the recognition of the prestige TV era, and TV wasn't seen as a very auspicious medium for a talented and ambitious director. Lynch continued working on films while Twin Peaks was on. By the end of the 90s, David Lynch was a star. He met Naomi Watts and Laura Haring while attempting to make a second TV series in 1999. Headshots are one thing, but then I like to meet the people, or sometimes Joanna will um, has people read just talk on video. I never make them audition a scene ever, and um, I like to talk to people or see them talking, and uh, then I get a feeling um, about them, and I can see if if they can make it through the film. Like I'm running scenes in my head. And they'll see this person can go this far, do that, but that it's just not going to work for that. And it go like it goes like that. So eventually, um, uh, through meeting and talking, uh, you find that I find the, the people. He cast them for photographs and began working on the pilot. ABC cut the pilot from its schedule. We gave the pilot, not yet finished, over to ABC Television. And the executive in charge watched this pilot 
at six o'clock in the morning, standing up on the phone, drinking coffee with a thing on a TV across the room, and he didn't like it. So on the phone? Uh, making phone calls, you know, like an executive's they do. So, um, but, you know, sometimes these things, it happens. Everybody knows that sometimes something looking very negative can be a gigantic blessing. David Lynch still wanted to work with Naomi Watts and Laura Haring and decided to turn the TV pilot into a film. That film was Mulholland Drive. This is the girl. Excellent choice. In the two decades since the film's release, critics have attempted to parse out the film and explain it, while David Lynch refuses to exactly comment on the symbolism and interpretations. But he does say that his obscure neo-noir thriller has an answer, and has put out a list of ten different clues he believes help answer it. There are allusions to old-time Hollywood. Sunset Boulevard is often compared and is one of the first signs we see in the film. Likewise, the poster of Rita Hayworth as Gilda gives Rita, who loses her memory in a car accident, a new name. We have two different stories, a friendship which turns romantic between Hollywood newcomer Betty Elms, played by Naomi Watts, and a starlet, Rita, who loses her memory after a car accident following an assassination, played by Laura Haring. We also get a parallel story about the end of an affair between failed actress Diane Selwyn and starlet Camilla Rhodes, who are played by the same actresses. In both stories is the director Adam Kesher, played by Justin Theroux, who seems to recognize Betty Elms. The tagline, a love story of the city of dreams, has led many critics, boringly I think, to just assume it's all a dream or that Betty is a real person and Diane is a dream, or vice versa. We also get the juxtaposition of optimism and cynicism, of Betty's bright future and Diane's unfulfilled potential. This version of Hollywood is petty, vindictive, toxic, and often fleeting. However, the idea that one story is a dream goes far to explain a lot. Betty is naturally talented, to the point where it blows the producers away on her first try, while Diane seems to only get roles due to her proximity to Camilla. Betty's relationship with Rita, where she has lost her memory, means that Rita is fully at the mercy and care of Betty. While the roles are reversed in Diane's case, Camilla doesn't need her at all. Come on, it'll be just like in the movies. We'll pretend to be someone else. In an even more surreal twist, Diane is the name of the diner waitress in the first story, leading Rita to remember the name Diane Selwyn, who they visit and find a putrefied corpse. Betty is the name of the waitress in the second part. Diane Selwyn. Maybe that's my name. There's also an obsession with fakeness and illusion throughout the film. The Silencio scene before Diane wakes up has an MC declaring, No, I, Banda. There is no band. Il n'est pas de orchestra. This is all a tape recording. Colors red and blue, a red lampshade, a blue light, are repeated throughout the movie. A blue box unlocked by a blue key. The scene in Club Silencio mirrors the most surrealistic part of Blue Velvet, 
where Dean Stockwell in a flamboyant costume lip syncs Roy Orbison's In Dreams. In Club Silencio, a woman sings a Spanish version of Roy Orbison's Crying. There's a long subplot in the Betty Rita sequence, where the filmmaker Adam Kesher is forced to recast the lead actress in his movie, The Sylvia North Story. And a plot between mob financiers, a cowboy, and a disabled man played by a dwarf is plotting to have Camilla Rhodes, played by a different actress in Betty's reality, take the film's lead. I want you to go back to work tomorrow. You were recasting the lead actress anyway. Audition many girls for the part. When you see the girl that was shown to you earlier today, you will say, this is the girl. This could be explained as a manifestation of Diane's failure, concocting these elaborate plots in her dreams. Later, Diane explains that Camilla was the one who took the lead from her in the Sylvia North story, and that's how they met. I wanted the lead so bad. Anyway, Camilla got the part. The director... Bob Brooker? Yes. He didn't think so much of me. Adam Kesher's suffering. His wife leaves him after cheating with Billy Ray Cyrus, and he is homeless and chased around the city covered in paint. Also makes sense if Adam Kesher is Camilla's real-life fiancé who came between her and Diane. The film ends with Diane killing herself after paying to have Camilla killed. Chased through the halls by the same elderly couple that brought Betty into Hollywood, now turns scary and evil, along with the witch-like bum who may represent her inner darkness. Even in the Diane Selwick story, the emotions of the characters and the psychosexual drama is tinged with Diane's own resentment in our framing. Every character that kisses Camilla stares directly into Diane's eyes, and the overwhelming pity they feel for her is palpable. There are also real-life parallels. The film is dedicated to Jennifer Syme, David Lynch's former assistant, who was killed in a car accident in 2001. Syme wanted to be an actress and had a similar story to Betty. As far as David Lynch is concerned, he seems to enjoy all the theories. It's all recorded. No! I banda! It is all a tape. Lynch wants to evoke a reaction, a conversation, and Mulholland Drive does nothing if not that. When it's finished, you'll find this where I told you. Anyway, before I introduce the panel, please like this video and subscribe to the Movie Night Extravaganza YouTube channel. Hit that bell to get notified whenever we're streaming. Also, we are now monetized, so if you have any pressing questions during this live stream, send us a super chat, which helps me keep the show running, and which I am obligated by international law, human rights law, to answer. We also have a Patreon, patreon.com slash movie night extra. All of our after parties are on there forever. Okay, let me introduce the panel. Conan Neutron, host of Britonic Reversal, co-host of Movie Night Extravaganza, and frontman for Conan Neutron and the Secret Friends, neutronfriends.bandcamp.com. Conan Neutron and the Secret Friends has a new split LP with Lung, Adult Prom, available now on Bandcamp. J. Andrew World, illustrator, book cover artist, artist for Give Them an Argument, 
co-host for Movie Night Extravaganza, and Bad Takes. Christina Oaks. This Barbie is streaming on Twitch. Twitch.tv slash Cosmopolitics. Twitter, Instagram, and Blue Sky at Cosmopolitics. Send her some subs on Twitch. Renee Rune is the host of the Night Shift Podcast with Bonnie Burton and Jenna Hayes, hosts Rune Radio, and is a blogger, writer, poet, and the head of Rune Agency. Ray Bonna is a Twitch partner, a Young Turks contributor, a disability rights advocate, and the co-host of Taking the L. I, of course, am your local yeehawing, good attitude having movie night cowboy, Forrest Miller. If this stream goes well, you'll see me two more times. If it goes badly, you'll see me once. Absolutely. By the way, that that dude that plays the cowboy, real life producer, not like an actor. Hmm. Lynch just was like, "Oh, this is the guy that should be doing this." Which I yeah, I was wondering, like, has he been? I don't know. His face looks like familiar. I don't he know. looks like a dude that you should know, like some famous character yeah. actor or something. Right? No, no, it's just a producer guy that he thought would be good in that role. <laughs> you look like a cowboy. By the way, did all three of us have some cowboy related nickname? It looks like we did. <laughs> Isn't that just like dudes? This this film is full of like awesome female characters, and we're like, oh no, we're all like that one we're guy that's in it for like three minutes. <laughs> Jay Andrew yeah, at least dressed up like a cowboy. Bouncer at Club Silencio. Exactly. I'll just I'll just be Silencio. Uh, welcome back to the show, Ray. It's been a while. It's Thanks been a coming. minute. After the last time we all got together and hung out, I made a big stink about not being on the show for a while. Yep. So here I am back to talk about my favorite director. <laughs> exactly. And of course, it's always lovely to have uh, Renee back in the house. Whoop, whoop, all the way from next week in Australia. <laughs> <laughs> Down under. Down under. <laughs> yes. And Naomi Watts, Australian oh actress. That's right. Yeah. yeah forgot Give about some that. love back. <laughs> it's, uh, it's trippy to hear her like, speak in her Australian accent after watching this movie. And you're like, yeah. oh, yeah, her accent is not uh, like either of the amazing fucking American accents. Well, yeah. I guess technically Canadian accent in, in, in both cases, but it's like. A, it's also just like, <laughs> ah, shucks, girl next door accent. Yeah. It's almost kind Jimmy of sickening. Betty's yeah. accent is sickening to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, it gives me like chills because it's so cookie cutter. Like So. Yeah, that, so that makes me that makes me wonder um, who all saw it in the theater. So I I saw it in the theater, and I was already a Lynch fan, but me and Andy are old as fuck. So Andy, who's still <laughs> muted, by the way. So don't don't worry. I wasn't gonna say anything. I kind of like it better that way. But <laughs> <laughs> did you see this in the theater, Andy? No, I didn't. I I uh, okay. did see it before it was released on video because remember that library I took you to? Uh, I got a, a screener copy at the library. Uh, Fantastic. You know, so there we go. Rene, Renee, I don't know about you. No, I didn't. So no, I'm the only one that saw it in the theater. Come like, on, it's Australia we're talking about. Sure, we're so sure. Behind. I was but already. Everybody he's... looks like freaking uh, Billy Ray Cyrus in that movie, in this movie, and uh, <laughs> in Australia. At least that's how I picture Australia. You know? <laughs> the Australian Mulholland Drive. Honestly, when I, I completely forgot about Billy Ray Cyrus, and when I um, watched this, rewatched it last night, I absolutely erupted into insane. Laughter. It's easy to forget about. You're like, holy crap! <laughs> imagine like, getting cheated on, shit. and you're just, and she's cheated with Billy Ray Cyrus, <laughs> and he's like, like the uh... most calm person while he's throwing you out of your own house. Yeah, it's like, right. yeah. Like, yeah. come on, man. I don't know. I don't care what she did. You can't treat your wife like that. And then just like gently picks him up and throws him out the door. 
I, 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 know, he's I, like, have a, I know you have an achy breaky heart right now. I know y'all got I would just I love I would have loved to be there on the wall and hear the conversation between David Lynch and Billy Ray Cyrus. And Billy Ray Cocksuck and Cyrus. <laughs> when exactly. he was like, I want you to play this dude. <laughs> Well, and and so okay, so so on that, I, I want to address that that actual scene. I just want to say that I, I did see this in the theater. I was already a David Lynch fan uh, because I was ruined at a very young age. Uh, was and and it's incredible. History has vindicated Mahalan Drive because this was this this film was uh, castigated, openly castigated in a way that we don't. I know we all goof on social media, probably me most of all, frankly, on, on, on this show. But uh, there was no answer back possible. And basically, the, the popular consensus is David Lynch does not have the ability to tell a coherent story, which is false, <laughs> objectively. That's a crazy yeah. takeaway. <laughs> but that was, that was like the popular consensus, much yeah. in the same way that not anyone would ever uh, be against the uh, Afghanistan or Iraq war, ever, for any reason. Because there were just no... None of those opinions that were out there. Again, credit to Roger Ebert, who I frequently have disagreed with on this show. He actually mm-hmm. wrong about right. Lost Highway. He was wrong about Wild at Heart, but he was dead on for this one. And and, and credit where credit's due. But it was crazy that like, there was no, like, you had to go to, like, the IMDb forums with other nerds to be like, what the fuck did I just watch? What just happened? <laughs> like, here's what I think may have happened. I don't know. Like, it was crazy. Like, it is impossible for for something that would have been so actively in the discourse now, it's impossible to understate uh, how big of a deal was it for complete and under film nerds such as myself. Uh, so having established that, can I just say that like Justin Thoreau's character just saying nothing and like dumping all, all the pink paint on her jewelry is a flex? But one of the weirdest flexes I've ever seen. It was but amazing. I, I was like, now that that's cool. Like, that's a yeah. really badass thing to do. Fuck up all her shit ass jewelry. Cause she's hot pink. Hot pink paint. Why? First of all, why do they have hot pink paint around? And, and yeah, why? Wait, was he gonna make Barbie like twenty years yeah, earlier? Yeah. Mm. Like, it was, but you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's also walks so that Greta Gerwig could run. <laughs> it's also uh, it's kind of fascinating when you watch later on in the movie, right? Like when it's what I presume is like the real life version of it, the Diane like Selwyn yeah. part of it. Uh, he's like laughing with all of them and he's like, so I ended up getting this huge settlement from the divorce and it worked out great for me. And like, yeah. y- you have to believe like in, in his mind, like in her mind, right? Like her addled like mind that's fading away when uh, it's the Adam Kesher character and he runs in there and gets like cheated on by Billy Ray Cyrus. Like she's <laughs> like playing these psychosexual games in her own mind where she's trying to torment him. So it's mm-hmm. kind of funny that like the first thing she thinks of is like, oh, he'll, you know, he'll dump paint all over it, get the paint on himself. And then Billy Ray Cyrus will fucking punch him in the face and like push him out of his own house. Like, but then cool. later on, that that other big pile of gabagool like gets Billy Ray Cyrus, which is hilarious. Yeah. But can I just say that the, the exact quote? Because I did write this down. I got the pool. She got the pool man. And he says yeah. it in such a just like, oh my god, this guy must be insufferable. Like yeah. kind of like way where like. Jesus well, he's Christ. a douche from the first time you see him. Yeah. He just exudes douche energy immediately. <laughs> All like, those glasses are just. I was like, like oh, this 2001 guy. douche glasses. Yeah, he's somehow less douchey in her in her like uh, fever dream state than he is in yeah, real life. Like, Would you think he's insufferable in, in in like the Betty slash yeah. dream state, right? And you're like, oh, this yeah. guy sucks. This guy's annoying. Like when he's going to the cowboy and he's just being smug as hell. I was like, dude, this is not the guy to be smug with. You're gonna end up like buried in a horse trough. 
Like, yeah, yeah. like this is not the time for this. And then it's like, oh no, you're actually worse in real life, which yeah. is which is which is astounding because you were pretty bad before. Yeah. But by the way, good on Justin Throw. He plays a great prick. Thank you. Oh, he does. Yeah, I I felt I fell in love with Justin Thoreau after realizing he was the cousin of Louis Thoreau, and I heard them on um, a podcast together. And he's actually a fucking killer guy. And I was like, I'm I completely changed my mind. I always thought he was a bit of a douche, but now now I'm Team Thoreau. Yeah. He's well, like, I mean, I'm not a douche. Like, but I just play one on television. Yeah. Another, exactly. another movie. Another he movie. Has, he's like, like the biggest um, rock T-shirt. Um, I thought you were gonna say something different. Cocktail. Rock t-shirt collection. Um, Max like says hi. Huge. Just oh. like two, four hundred shirts. And he cuts all the arms off and he actually looks pretty damn good, I gotta say. So I mean oh, yeah. another another movie he's like even more of a douche in, right? Like he's an American psycho. He's the he's the guy that's cucking fucking Patrick Bateman. I forgot about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like like so his his douche pedigree, especially around this time, right? Because this is only like, you know, two years after American Psycho came out. Uh, yeah. that was like 1999. Like his douche pedigree at this point is immaculate. Yeah, yeah, and he continued to play plenty of douches. <laughs> after yeah, this, douches, so. bad guys types. Yeah, he's like extraordinarily well groomed now. I feel like in a way that he wasn't that. Like his, he's they did a lot of crazy things either with his hair at this point or his eyebrows or like in every movie they like kind of mess with his facial features in ways that he has like a very normal. A way more normal face now i feel like and mm. I, I feel like it has to be that they've they've done so many different like uh crazy fucking styles to him like those glasses did yeah. not do him any favors oh no they, 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 made look, they made him look like max katie in uh the charlie's <laughs> angel sequel i was like what <laughs> he's ripped but like and then that strong very very poorly done irish accent he did i was like oh <laughs> yeah can I say You'll welcome think- to the Ravana Hive, who are very baffled as to what the hell's going on right now? Don't worry, Ravana will eventually be allowed to speak on this show. I, I explained it to them. I someone okay. posted a link to the Mulholland Drive Wikipedia page and asked if that's what we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. That's, so that's that is indeed what we're talking the about. The level in which my audience engages with film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're, they're up there with that uh, that, that that crew of uh, motley crew of characters that when uh, Betty goes to audition, where it's like, ah, oh, yeah, and here. Uh, you know, freaking smiling Jack over here. He's gonna be reading the scene. All right, great. You know, like and like it's like, like what what is happening right now? Like what move? What kind of movie is this? Right. Is this? Too, by the way, is, is it? This is an excuse for this old like kind of old school actor dude to like perv on women because it kind of seems like yeah, this might right. be what this is. Captain, oh, you know that one hundred percent is. Yeah, and he, and he likes an audience. I like thought like you know like the ant crawl as he like moved in closer and he was oh, like yeah. and then oh. afterwards he was like yeah that really did it Ugh, get away but from how me. great is naomi watson that scene though so, so good because yeah. you see her as the betty character you're like can this chick act is this like like what's and then you're like oh god damn all right also uh <laughs> she just got real <laughs> shout out to uh to james karen from fucking return of the living dead uh, who's the who's Wally or whatever in that scene in the audition scene? Oh, is, is that from Return of the Living Dead? Are you kidding yeah. me? Really? Yeah. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. It's all tied together. There's people. a lot of like hidden little <laughs> cameos in this film. Like Michael DeBars is in this film, which I didn't realize until watching it again last night. Where? Where? Really? I just saw that okay. documentary on him. It's yeah. nuts. You know the scene where um, the hitman is. Yeah. 
the girl and there's another guy. Yeah. And they're walking and they're for a cigarette. He's the other guy? He's the other guy, yeah. So Michael DeBar, oh my God. So first of all, there's a documentary about yeah. him that's worth watching. <laughs> but uh, he... Oh my God, where to start with this guy? He's done so many things. Andy would know him from being the bad guy in MacGyver. <laughs> those of you who don't know MacGyver was a was a TV show that was out in the 80s exactly uh he was also on WKRP as like the like sort of like total uh dickheaded like WKRP uh um is is like promoting this English band that are just a bunch of like assholes but they're like really like got a bunch of business savvy basically uh notable in that um, what's the song he wrote? The 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 eighties pop song that like he wrote that like later yeah. was covered. And, um, anyway, fascinated. Does a dude who's like the uh, I'll look it up. Obsession. He wrote Obsession. Obsession. Yeah, yeah and he's obsession. he's also married to Pamela DeBar, who wrote yeah. um, I'm the groupie. I'm with the band. Who she's super famous for this... being that famous groupie um, um, in the Stones and Bowie and Zeppelin, blah 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 era. And he he played music too, and it was in a, like a yeah. somewhat you know well respected. But anyway, interesting dude. This documentary is like, eh, only mid, but it's it's interesting just because like it's like how many things this, this guy's like the Forrest Gump of like everything. Sorry, <laughs> Forrest. <laughs> uh, WKRP did have the best outro music, Stevie, and I know that because I, we covered that song on a uh, B sides compilation. Nice. So. Uh, that's it. That's it. That, we that's also out there somewhere. Whoops, uh, we get we get Robert. I was pointing at the one who was getting complimented. God damn it. <laughs> we we get Robert Forster in one fucking scene of this. Who's amazing. And I was like, oh, shit, it's Robert Forster. How do I not remember he's in this film? Yeah. And he's just like doing cop stuff. He's just I'm just being a cop. Just doing and, cop stuff. And you get you get it for one scene. But in the in the a perfect like dream kind of way. Right. Where like people come in and out of your dreams that you've like either seen on screen in, in the right. movies or like, yes, like and, and they don't come back. So you get like a really intense moment where it's like oh here's like the story of uh you know him as a detective and his uh his partner and you could tell like one of them is like really sharp and one of them is kind of uh like the the dumb detective and it's we'll like, say learning on the job is a nice yeah. way to put it yeah <laughs> his partner's also in like every david lynch film and project yeah. he's in uh, a bunch of the uh twin peaks the return which i just rewatched. right so which good made me so, so mad at david lynch but <laughs> It, it's 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 so great, but it's not meant to satisfy. And by no. the way, I've uh, if you watch it with subtitles on, there's a lot of hissing and wheezing intensifies, sort yep. of like, which is like whoever was like writing those captions was having a great time. That's all. Awesome. Yeah, it's like people who write captions for porn. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's like so some things you're like, oh, this is gonna be a chore, and some things it's like, oh no, I get to do Twin Peaks: The Return. Let's go, baby. I'm ready. <laughs> All right. So, uh, so invoking Twin about... Peaks, right? This was going to be a show originally. Yeah, this was going to be its own crazy its own show. <laughs> um, but I, I wanted to say with uh, with what you're talking about with like critics not really liking it, at the, you know, at the beginning. It's an uh, understatement. Of course, like, of course uh, <laughs> David Lynch doesn't do any of his films any favors when it comes to yeah. stuff like that, right? And refuses yeah. to uh, engage with any kind of. Um, you know, and any any questions about it or like the symbology behind it or, you know, the allegories. So I have like an interview with him around the time the film came out at Cannes. And uh, he's being asked by like this French interviewer all these questions and kind of refusing to engage with anything substance substantive that this interviewer has to yeah, say, yeah, it's, which it's of smart. course enrages, enrages critics more, right? Because critics yeah. want to engage with what the director has to say about it. They go like, oh, I got it for that reason. When somebody gives you nothing. Uh, at all because they want you to come up with your own kind of theory behind it. They fucking they hate that. So we have what well, we have to realize too though is that uh, 
Lost Highway, mixed reaction at best. A lot of people, Wild Heart's another one that wasn't really uh, did, did, wasn't really well regarded at the time, and then later on uh, was. But the, the what he eventually disowned the De Laurentiis Dune was like considered like a major like you know like oh my god he just squandered everything like he's washed up it's over <laughs> so even when uh with the except but blue velvet's the one that everyone's like oh yes that's that's great more like this please and but it's he proceeded to make a bunch of movies that are i mean not this, more like this you, you could say that this is more like this it, it, this, it, this movie this movie is taking all of the surrealist te- to the point where the fucking club silencio scene is pretty much identical in a lot of ways to uh the 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 dean you know the, Look, the dean Stanton, like scene in fucking um dean stockwell it, scene in uh in blue velvet right like yeah. so he is doing more of this it's just not but, but that- what, what i'm saying is that <laughs> as much as i agree with your sentiment the popular consensus especially among critics was not that that, that was garbage oh, and man, i'm not what? saying they're right in fact i'm saying they're all wrong and i think history has actually vindicated him in this way but like People were like, especially Lost Highway. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love Lost Highway. Lost Highway was, yeah. was annoying for a lot of people, and I don't understand why. I'm like, what did exactly did you think this was gonna be? <laughs> then he had a few few films that he worked on afterwards that were completely like blindsided people, like yeah. the Straight Story. Which oh, is, Straight Story is just like objectively great, but like it's almost like, film, but it's not. Over, you know, it's not like hyper hyper Lynch, you know. Well, and I mean? it's like the, he made a basically normal movie, and everyone's like, "What? We're baffled by this." Yeah, it's like, that's what you've yeah. been yelling for him to do for years. Years you have asked, and now and y'all mad. Now y'all yeah. confused. And, yeah. and then, like with this one, people are like, "Oh, it's so incoherent." He's like, "Oh, you want incoherent? Check fire." <laughs> And which is just like, I mean, that's a tough, that's a harsh joke even for me. And I love David Lynch. I mean, you could say Dune is like his version of like a franchise movie too, right? Like his, Dune is his like sci-fi, like attempting, it doesn't jive well because he, he t- comes up with his own stories. And obviously like, I don't think you should be pinned down by a book that he, number one. And he doesn't, like. he isn't yeah. this as well either. That but like, sense. but it is kind of funny that like that, that is him trying to engage with, you know, the, the sci-fi zeitgeist in a way that like, sure. clearly yeah. he isn't, he isn't meant to. Now, did you guys know that he had a project with uh, Neil Gaiman? Nope, but now we do. Yeah, yeah. it was. Uh, I. Okay, we're not gonna. Okay. Well, no, you can. All right, you can keep saying it. Yeah, no, no, just, just it's, it's not that long. <laughs> but, but uh, apparently, uh, Neil Gaiman and him were gonna do a project together, and uh, uh, this was in the '90s at some point. I don't know exactly when, but uh, apparently, uh, at one point, David Lynch calls up Neil Gaiman. He's like, I, I got the perfect ending for the film. Because the movie's about a detective who loses his girlfriend and like you know spends the entire movie trying to find her, and he's like, okay, so at the end, he's just gonna wander around his living room. He's just gonna pick up random objects and study them for a moment, and set it back down, like pick up a picture of his girlfriend, look at it for a minute, put it back down, and he does this for like a few minutes, and then we'll zoom out and we're on the moon. <laughs> and Neil Gaiman just hangs up the phone and swore he'd never work with David Lynch. It's <laughs> <laughs> fantastic. Makes sense. All right. Sorry, Forrest. I don't. I don't know. Whatever you're trying to queue up, like 20 minutes ago. But let's. let's no. This, so this is a, this is an interview. <laughs> that, there was an interview uh, at Cannes that he was doing with a French interviewer. That the, the interviewer is clearly trying to like cue him to talk more about what the movie was about or like you know details sure. of it. And he's talking about ideas. He just wants to talk about ideas. <laughs> Where do ideas come from? And um, I remember a story. Do you know Nikolai Tesla? Okay, Tesla 
was I that I heard this story sitting on a park bench and he stares at the sun, which is dangerous to do, and the alternating current motor appears in front of him. With the image of the alternating current motor comes a complete understanding of how it works and every part that makes it up. Like that it came. This is the way ideas are. They're, they're seeds that are filled with electricity and they pop suddenly one moment they're not there the next minute you see them completely now sometimes they're little ideas but you still love them and they will, might lead somewhere they don't always lead somewhere but they might lead somewhere so you write those ideas down because as good as memory is many times you forget them and if you forget a good idea you want to commit suicide so you have to write them down then maybe that little idea that you love will attract other ideas and a story or a scene or a character starts to form and you follow like that but it's not just one idea there's so it's, much idea in your mind there's several ideas but they come sometimes in a group i say it's so much like fish you go fishing and you can catch a little fish or you can catch a big fish and you can catch a school of many fish this similar and you fish long enough and you have a feature film you, you write for this movie for it was first a tv movie. yes set out to be a television pilot that's why there's so much character in the movie i think so and it was so interesting to me because you wouldn't necessarily go in a feature this way but because it starts this way and goes this way almost a new a new form comes and to me this was so exciting and it's such a great gift to be able to finish it as a feature and and complete it uh, it was hard after that to to make a, a movie for for cinema with that, with that, with that yes material. very because I didn't have any ideas. No more fish came for a while to see how to make it uh, uh, close. And one night, in they came, and I saw it. And um, so it was a, a beautiful gift. It was like a miracle, sort of. What was it? What have you added? I, I don't like to, to say that because it then you never see things the same way. Um, Um, what was there were things added some things thrown away and many things restructured your, your movie is a your story mm -hmm. it's a drama it's a, at the beginning we, we can say it's a musical mm -hmm. where we can see it's a, a normal picture a fantastic picture it's all that you it's a big pleasure to make all this thing in, in one movie for you it's a it's a big pleasure It's not that you say, I want to make a movie that has this, this, and this. You don't say that. It's just the ideas again. Catch yeah, well, fish. I mean, by the way, I do know what he added. <laughs> Is anyone curious? Can you guess? And, and here's a hint. It was, it, was, it was actually called out in the comments just recently. Anyone want to make a guess what was added? No. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> 
The sex scene. Sex scene was added and the very ending. Yeah. <laughs> because remember, this was for TV. So do you think they had like full on like yeah. lesbian sex scene on a tel- on ABC? Probably not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that makes that makes perfect sense. I also. Uh, and like- I know that because I listened to an interview with uh, Laura Herring, earlier, which he is actually has- super fascinating. The most amazing boobs and body I've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you said it because someone needed to. I was like, Damn, when, when she came out, I'm like, this is the dream. You've got Oh, I remember yeah. Betty in like long sleeve cotton pajamas, like, and then just this bombshell fucking hot chick who's like, I'm just gonna sleep naked. Come yeah. on, this ain't reality. Yeah, that's how you knew it was a dream. <laughs> I was like, like oh, I'm sorry, for, I'm sorry for making you sleep on the couch. You could sleep in my bed, if, my my big aunt's bed, if you want. Like, and, like it I, seems I'm like it, like really close with my female friends, like super close. They sleep in yeah. my bed, you know, whatever. But I have never had one of my friends just go, oh, and it was just pop, go, pop in naked, you know, butt naked, and go, let's have have a sleepover. Nah. Um, can, I, can I, I sleep over without our clothes on? In their eyes. I think, I think I, the dynamic though is. Well, really well hold on, Forrest. I, I have one little, little little anecdote with that. Apparently, they they were they had become so uh, buddy buddy. Rita, they uh, had sex uh, in real life. Nope, <laughs> wrong. Uh, Naomi Watts and and um, Laura Henney were they were friends, right? So it was sort of like, oh, this mm-hmm. is kind of weird that we're going to be doing this, right? That's kind of strange. Uh, but like, apparently they, he was, he was like, well, don't worry. We're going to shoot in like, don't worry. We're going to shoot in really low light. And so like, <laughs> they, they shot in really low light, like four, like, like three or four times. And, and then they're like, okay, cool. This isn't so bad. And David Lynch goes, okay, now turn it up. And he said, they turned up the light. <laughs> well, all right, and that's similar, the one they used. <laughs> similar, similar, uh, similar to that. This is, um. This is uh, Naomi talking about the masturbation scene. Oh yeah. Oh and, yeah. And and shooting that, which this, it's the most it's the most guy masturbation scene I think of any movie uh, with like yeah, a female I love lead, that. right? She's like, like slapping a clit. I'm like, what's going on, girl? She's, she's trying to get she's trying to get an angry nut. In fact, yeah. she looks she <laughs> looks like. Wait, I forgot that I added gifts last night <laughs> for this. Yeah. She's, she's it's, it's like looks like in, incels but, but <laughs> incel but like hot chick who's somewhat disheveled yeah it's kind of like everyone else does yeah she's, I was like, she was too busy thinking about her enemies she <laughs> pouring she down her face landing on her chest jeans moving too much loud yeah. inexplicable noises <laughs> And then she has to get into her like, uh, you know, her nice clothes and go to a, a, a little function, right? Like, yeah, yeah. exactly. Like you do. <laughs> there were times where um, we would have to do it over and over again until we until we got it. The masturbation scene was particularly difficult, and for obvious reasons. First of all, I had a terrible stomachache that day. <laughs> Do you remember? No, I don't remember. And I was making many visits to the bathroom. (laughs) And obviously it was butterflies. I was just kind of freaking out. And so David created this little tent around me. So in order to make me feel comfortable. And I would go from crying to being angry. And, you know, and I think he wanted to do it all in one shot. But because I couldn't get to the place 
uh, um, he did this that fabulous shot of the fireplace wall. Well, that would have that been was, in there anyway. Oh, would it? Yeah. Okay. I remember saying, you know, as my hands are down the pants, aware of, you know, 35 people outside of the black tent. Um, I remember saying, David, I can't do this. I can't do it. And being mad at him for making me do it. And um, and he, he just said on his, what do you call those things? Megaphones. Megaphones. Okay, Naomi. Okay. That's okay. No cut. Megaphone. Can we just say hearing megaphone? Not hearing any reloading or anything like that. So I just keep going. So I remember like being pissed. <laughs> like, okay, because this is supposed to be, I'm supposed to be thinking of my lovely friend and, you know, imagining her. And then I was like, <laughs> I was pissed <laughs> off that I had to keep doing it. So we just like, we. I did crying. I did anger. I did, I don't know. It, it was just wildly uncomfortable. The thing with David is he uh, he just keeps you going. You 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 want to please him because he's after something really true, and and you you don't want to give up. I mean, his theory is is that we don't all have to have the same understanding. Different things appeal to different people at different times, and it's not all logical and making perfect sense. But if it's real and true, it links up and. You can connect. Yeah, I think she could have done better with the masturbation myself. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah, I'm about how I do it. I'm like, knee down enough. Just saying, it's lower than you think it is. Okay. Well, it's also it's also very male POV of of Andy, why, I, peace and love in my heart. Why are you interrupting for this? Tell us more. <laughs> No, that's, that's the thing. I, like, I that's the attitude that led to these scenes, by the way. Her hand isn't down enough and in enough. Like, she's just slapping the top there. It was very much a male view of female men. It's like all those dudes in middle school. They're like, yeah, I fucked a bunch of girls. But when they actually find sex for the first time, they're like, oh, that's where it is. Mm -hmm. <laughs> There's a lot like, more to it, honey. It's not just she's like Naomi. You're trying <laughs> to you're just trying to get a nut. Let's... Some girls Naomi. like going up and down. Some girls like You're circles. Just do, just do one. <laughs> do it more aggressively. Up. He's on the megaphone. Can we just talk about? I'm sorry. Can we just talk about the fact that it's a it's a yeah, he these scenes. Why does he, he have the megaphone? megaphone. <laughs> he uses a megaphone for almost All right. every every film. All like, right. All right. Flick the bean. Come on. <laughs> it's so funny because like I everyone you to really get in there. Everyone who works as, as like having camp counselor energy. So the idea that he's just like talking into the megaphone, like encouraging her to yeah, <laughs> yeah, the less herself harder. Oh god, it's a project. The rest of that scene is is. I mean, her performance in that scene is amazing. The rest of it, like her facials and the emotion yeah. and everything, is incredible. More like you know that sort of outshadows the the. It, it's meant to be face. exaggerated too. Like yeah, I mean, exactly. it, it like the whole point is like like that is not the face I make. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's meant to be. It's meant the whole. I I mean, really, the whole movie is like meant to be exaggerated to, to the point that it makes mm. sense that we were talking about the corn pone, like you know, gosh, golly, gee, Willikers, like Jimmy Stewartness mm. of uh, Betty. Yeah. Like makes sense when you realize, oh yeah, this is like. 
her imagined innocence in like this entire situation earlier. Whereas a lot of people like seriously getting over the idea that like only part of the movie was a dream was like impossible in, in when this yeah. movie came out. Which is why A Beautiful Mind won Best Picture that year. And it's also Ron mm. Howard, director, which like, really, that one? Yeah. I mean, it's also, it's also kind of nuts that, like, uh, like the, the theory that all of it is a dream doesn't make sense either. No! Right? Like, doesn't it? It's so <laughs> clearly not that. And of all, all the dumb conspiracy theories and, like, and just, like, regular theories about this, and there are a lot of them, to be clear. That's the dumbest one, that it was all a dream. I'm like... Okay, is this your first time on planet Earth? Because what, what, what would lead you to believe? Of learning about surrealism in general, like yeah, you can't say everything's just a dream. Well, the one the one thing I guess that would lead you to believe that is that when when we finally get into her reality, right, her mind slipping, and Camilla comes back and she sees her in the kitchen, and I guess you could be like, but that that within itself, you're still looking at everything from her perspective, which makes yeah, perfect I, I sense. Was... Yeah. I, was gonna say I just like when they did the needle drop up. My mom's playing tricks on me. <laughs> <laughs> There's like. I don't think there's any argument to make that the second portion of the film is all of a dream. I think there's an argument to make that her re she's not necessarily the most reliable narrator. I don't yeah. think that everyone who is kissing Camilla is staring her dead in the eyes <laughs> while she does it. I don't fucking buy that. I don't buy that every single person who talks to her talks to her like she's like some pathetic child loser who like a bug on their windshield they're trying to scrape away yeah like i i can see her perception of reality being warped by her lack of success in hollywood and like yes. faced in yes. reality on on you know how poorly people could treat you in that in that field but like you know obviously we're watching someone lose her mind and part of losing her mind is becoming be you know being consumed in that paranoid state, like, oh, everyone's out to get me. Like, yeah, to, I mean, to that extent. But it's it's not and then she only succeeded with her help. And even, like, up to the blonde wig, where it's like, oh, don't worry, now you have this blonde wig and everything's going to be better because you're <laughs> right. more like me. It's like, first of all, no, it's not. Like, <laughs> like we'll just start with that. It was fine. You didn't need you didn't need to well, do that. But I, I, feel like, I feel like you could make the case that, uh, I mean, you probably should make the case that the first – like uh, two thirds of it is like a dream or like, you know, going on in her mind. Maybe even when she's fucking flicking the bean, who knows for that, for that amount of time. <laughs> well, that's, like, that's then then like, it. Then yeah. the other parts of it, I think the reason that it's chronologically out of order is that it's her memories. Kind of, like uh, a yeah. lot, like we're looking right. through her eyes, we're looking into her memories and this is what she remembers happening down to the point where like, of course, if you, if you're like in love with somebody to the point where it's like burning you up and like that passion is just like consuming you on top of your own failure, consuming you on top of like idolizing the person that you're with while also hating them for, you know, blaming them for. And, and feeling like it, it's your, your, yeah. they have the success that you should have while you hate Naz. Is it Nazzing, Renee? Was that the term that, 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 we, that, we, that we, you said on that one show? I was like, Nazzing. <laughs> is that is that am i using the correct australian colloquialism no, i don't even know what you're saying now the act of female self-pleasure but anyway maybe oh, I, I, I might have mis yeah mazzing yeah okay, there you go. <laughs> uh that like yeah like so the diane character creates like the betty character in, in, in the dream to as a idea of like well there has to be some reason why these things are not mine because I am clearly the best at the role, which is why like, the inventive tryout scene with the the guy the, from Return of the Living Dead, which I had no idea, uh, as, as the director, and just being like, oh my god, which is objectively a great piece of acting. 
by, mm-hmm. uh, by, by Naomi Watts, but also it's like the first time you could see that the Betty character is good at acting, which is important to the delusion of Diane, which she's probably good, but not amazing. And, yeah. and whether she is or not is irrelevant because uh, the character of uh, Camilla is, is uh, playing the game, right? And it's mm-hmm. not that there's like this... I mean, we haven't even got into, uh, was it Mr. Roquet, the uh, Michael Anderson? By the way, Trump supporter. Like, rest in peace, but, like, that guy was around the bend. That's why he wasn't in Twin Peaks The Return. Yeah. Uh, Mm. Like, there's these shadowy cabal of of people that are just doing things to essentially exercise their will, not even for any real reason than the fact that they just power play, which does actually happen. But having that be the reason why uh, she wasn't able to do it, which brings up the question of the hitman. So the hitman, which of course has the great scene that ends with the culmination, the culmination of the best uh, vacuum assassination in the history of cinema. <laughs> uh, but like the the whole thing of like, well, he's trying to get the black book and he's trying to um, get away clean and just having like a rough go of it <laughs> necessarily. Awesome. But then you see him again. If you notice, and this is something watch I watched it last night. I wasn't like Ray watching it right before the show, which is insane, by the way. Uh, and. Uh, if you notice that there is, so it's at the dinner table scene, it's at the party, right? And then like when it goes to her scene with uh, the hitman and pushing the money over, you only hear one crash because it's like it's it's like it's it's a remembrance. So it only happens one time. So to my mind, that means that like the party scene where she's basically like being made to be like, well, you get to be here as like an attache. And what did you say your name was again? Uh, for the woman that she's in love with, that clearly is like with this other dude, uh, who as we established is marginally marginally less douchey than he was uh, before, but it's douchey in a different way, which is Justin Thoreau's character, that she's giving the hitman money. Well, why would she give a hitman money? Is it, to, is it to kill Camilla? Or is it to kill like the, I told every little star girl that was originally the, this is the girl. I don't know. It depends on which part of it that you believe, right? But you could arguably say that, like, it could be like a, a bribe for anything necessarily. But the guy I, is a hitman. So. I, yeah, I mean, my my reading is that it's for Camilla, and that's why she goes uh, so insane by the end of it, and that's why there's so many Sunset Boulevard references throughout the movie. But the, but for sure. But the other the other reading could be that like that there there was the uh, the the character that was moved out of the way. That like it never when you see the corpse you never see whether it is Diane you never see whether it's uh, Rita or Camilla what I mean like whatever I need a flowchart to keep up with this but like <laughs> you never see any of that but you also see like the girl that, that is the this is the girl in the dream where it's like well what if that that was the original pick and like she got bumped off I don't know that's a possibility as well and none of it's like a clear reading or anything along those lines but what is very clear is the Diane character feels like that her uh, that the, the Laura Hannon character. <laughs> is owes her success to her in some way mm-hmm. like she feels that way whether it's based in reality or not and so that yeah. has to do with like that, that like just like seething incel style hatred uh of uh, and and love at the same time of, of what's happening which is what makes this a fantastic film because even again and and to think that there are people that when this movie came out didn't even understand understand this aspect of it it was just like oh this is a bunch of nonsense all right yeah let's go back and watch a beautiful mind sure uh is is actually astounding but i i was actually thinking about the fact that like literally when when you hear the crash of dishes in that one scene that are at the party and at the uh at winkies again winkies uh you only hear it once so which one was the flashback i don't know i've seen this movie five times this is the first time i thought about that Thank you. I, anyway, my TED talk's coming I, up next Tuesday. I also, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I think that she had Camilla killed, and that's why she's like going as insane as 
she is. I didn't even think, yeah. honestly, of the possibility that she could have had the Adam Cash character killed, though. But I, I think that it's kind of fascinating that uh, the Hitman, too, it's each person that she feels like has either wronged her or, in the case of the Hitman, um, like, that she feels like, uh, you know, she regrets giving him the money, I guess. Like, uh, well, each like person, when he, when he each says, person like yeah, are you are you sure there's no going yeah back or in, in her in her brain like in her mind uh, she's torturing all of these people that have either wronged her or that she regrets giving them money. like so when that guy has an extended scene where he's you know plugs the first guy and then the woman you know get thinks it's a bite <laughs> which you can just walk away at that point and say yeah you got bit by something all right peace but like that whole extended scene is her uh using her like uh power i guess to in her mind to torture the fucking guy that she gave money to for that. Uh, because he didn't complete the job. So he must be a fuck up. And here's maybe how it went. It went yeah. Yeah. Something like this. That was my read was like that extended scene is like her envisioning that this per actually very capable hitman is a bumbling idiot who is terrible at his job, which would explain how Camilla got away. Right. She doesn't yeah. die in this story. The hitman isn't successful. She lives and there we see him fucking up his job he's not good at it he's out here he's still looking you know for the girl he's involved in like other i don't know shady business he's working with uh, sex workers and you know he's not very good at gathering intel like this guy you know i gave him the money he didn't finish the job even though you know obviously she's just trying to rationalize she's well aware that she's dead yeah, well, I mean, she has. Well, he's hanging out with Michael DeBar. What do you expect? <laughs> <laughs> she has, she has the key in front of her, so he clearly did like complete the job. But you know, like it, it is, it's a pretty funny fantasy of like, what if he like what? I don't know. Maybe he just fucked up. Maybe she's not really dead, and I don't. You know, like my whole emotional state is falling apart. Like maybe she'll walk in here at any minute, and then she kind of does as her brain's like going to fucking. You know, like. But, but again, it goes back to that conspiracy yeah. mind of like everything that is like all of all of Diana's woes have something to do with like some really ornate and uh, crazy conspiracy that's going on. Whereas mm -hmm. in reality, it's like it's as, as much luck as anything else, you know. But but yeah. in her mind, just like again, put into modern parallel, all these people that are all uh, with these <laughs> modern conspiracy theories, like it has to be. Like, wow, you think everything's really that well organized? Everybody is just like flailing. I mean, <laughs> that's, and that's the reality. Which, which, is why, which is why the opening of the movie is so perfect, <laughs> where uh, you know it drives past the Sunset Boulevard sign. Yeah. Because I think, I mean, you know, Sunset Boulevard is like one of my favorite movies, and Norma Desmond right. is a character in that. Like, she's built this uh, thing around her that her fame will never go away. Right? Like, she's still like the silent star, and they're just waiting for her to come out of her uh, yeah. mothball-ridden fucking. It was the movies that got like, small. Yeah, exactly. and yeah. so like uh, you know, and she's constructed this whole thing around her david lynch is kind of racing past that because this is someone who never achieved the level of success that like Gloria. but thinks she did. should have yeah think thinks that she should have and has built a reality to explain that away which has <laughs> led to some interesting results <laughs> i think i agree yeah. with ray on the like also like the projection like she's everything is projected towards camilla i feel like and she yeah. ties everything back to her failure with Camilla is is the kind of the spark that makes everything fall apart. She's put so much onto Camilla 
and that failure then leads to all the other failures. And I think that's why she's so obsessed with Camilla. Mm-hmm. Well, this- meanwhile, Camilla, the real Camilla, is probably like, hey, we're both like, you know, trying to get some work here. You're hot. I'm hot. Mm-hmm. Let's hang out. And then like, yeah, Diana gets obsessed. Tell- Sex or something. Mm-hmm. When, yeah. when it's Camilla, like later, like you can't even really tell, like we're seeing it again to an us- untrustworthy, like set of eyes. We're seeing her being all like upset about this, but like was their relationship really like that or is it was that the wow. fantasized relationship that she wanted with camilla like she's always mm-hmm. when you, that you, she shows that she's in the background like was it ever an open thing like you know or was this did they just hook up once or did they never hook up and she's just obsessed with her like there's not really a female joker yeah. I, I was gonna say rashomon of scissoring but yeah that yeah, was <laughs> You know, and she's so pissed off every time anyone goes near Camilla or, uh, you know, like she's being attacked. But then, you know, you think for a second, you think, oh, man, this Camilla chick's a bit of a bitch. Like right. she's really rubbing it in. Like what a cow. Like she invited her to the party. Not like Diana Camilla did, let so me tell you. Pissed, you know? <laughs> but did she really? Because, yeah, you yeah. can't trust that what what we're seeing is actually. In fact, in fact, you've been shown you correct. you literally can't trust anything she yeah. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yo, you can't. You can't trust this bitch. No, no. <laughs> You're just sort of like no, exploring, just, uh, like her level of pettiness in the dream. Yeah. She reads lines with the Rita character, and the yeah. Rita is bad at it. She's very bad, bad at yes. it, and then yeah. she so like is so overly complimentary to yeah. the Betty character. Oh my god, you're so amazing! Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> So it's just like even, even in like, there, she needs that reassurance no, it's, it's from coke. her. It's an, it's an overdose of copium. Like that's yeah. what you're literally watching through her mind. Pure uncut copium. Cut with <laughs> well, a razor blade. But, but I think those are interesting points where it's like, uh, you know, again, there's no indication at the party. And the party is also notable because you see the cowboy again, but like only like in the background. Like, oh, crap, it's the yeah. cowboy. Hmm. Is that the first or second time? Wait, you know, you're like, where are we? What's happening? What? Uh, where is this in the, the timeline? Uh, but, you know, she's, she's trying really hard at the table. And the Coco character who is... Um, the mom, Justin Throw's mom, in that uh, yeah, which timeline. Yeah, I was like, like, when I was re-watching it, I was like, yeah, shit, she owns the apartments. Right. And, and then, like, then it's sort of like, well, yeah. what, how much of, like, what the uh, Diana character, like, how, what did she, what did she think was real and what was real? Because, yeah, like, you exactly. certainly can't tell from their interactions, which is basically yeah. just that Camilla wants her there. I want you to be here. Like, it, I think this might be good for you. You know, I, maybe it could be like, hey, you'll meet some industry contacts. Maybe you'll. Yeah, yeah. Or, or I mean, or like our friendship is so close that it would be weird if you weren't. It'd be weird if you weren't here because yeah. we came up together. Yeah, that goes back to and, the and, and everybody kind of knows thing, right? we're close. And then, you know, it, like it, it becomes like a, a thing where, you know, they're like, oh, well, they must have problems. She didn't go. So, yeah, I mean, if she's trying to hide the mm-hmm. fact that they had a relationship where they did hook up. Right. Like, I'm not saying they had like a like a, you know, as as much of a relationship as she thinks that they should have. But like if they did sometimes hook up or something secretly, right? Like it would be weird if her best friend wasn't there to see her uh, announce her engagement. And that's kind well, of Well, and maybe they were, but like because Camille is now the successful actress cuz in what what what's the name of the movie that like uh it's the like the story of uh Sylvia North story. Sylvia North. But it's it's clearly like a 50s thing, right? So traditional yeah. value. So maybe the like 50s. being an in the 50s maybe being an out lesbian 
wouldn't necessarily be good for her like profile as an actress. So yeah. maybe like she wants her to be there, but can't publicly like. There's that too, right? Or she's yeah. bi. There's like there's so many views. Like, sure. You can't. Yeah, because like. like but being bi, thing... that, but Andrew, no, I'm, I'm gonna let, let me let me knock on Andrew here for a while. It's the same yeah. problem. Yeah. yeah, it's exactly the same problem. But, but it is by visibility right now. Oh, don't worry. <laughs> don't worry she's by. No, it's like, the visibility just right. week. <laughs> they don't care. You may as well be like, uh, <laughs> yeah. Again, the, the Rashomon of scissoring yet again. Yes. <laughs> Maybe Who knows? Just, doesn't matter you know, if, you're, if you're bi or lesbian. Maybe like, they're they, just they don't want friends. It. Who knows? They're <laughs> <laughs> so just roommates. Exactly, exactly. And they were roommates. <laughs> I <laughs> but it, my but favorite. it does. But but that's the thing is it doesn't matter. It doesn't yeah. matter because like if that's her public persona, there be, she'd be made like the next big actress, and this is a very successful film. Blah blah blah, et cetera, et cetera. Then the idea would be like, well, we can't be seen to be having a relationship together. I'm marrying uh, the slightly less douchey version of Justin Throw, or is he more douche? I don't remember. No, I don't it's, remember the, where it's, we the, it's the more it's the more douchey version. More douchey yeah. version of Justin yeah. Throw. Yeah. That's right. That's right. I'm see. Yeah. I'm getting twisted. In the, anyway. in the other one, he's at least like a passionate artist that's like mm -hmm. fighting for his right. creative vision. He's an auteur. He just yeah. seems like he's a. Uh, He's like, oh, and you know, I got the, you know, I got the pool. She got the pool boy. <laughs> Seems like a real <laughs> smug day. Yeah, yeah. Right. definitely be a resistance lib. Ravana, well, what were you gonna say? Um, <laughs> the oh, scene when they're shooting, and he's explaining to the male actor how to basically. Oh yeah, kiss her like. Oh kiss. god, so yeah. And but then, <laughs> but then Camilla says, can like asks if Diana can stay, yeah. and it's like, is this? Is this real? Is this what Diana's thinking? Like she did it deliberately to kind of rub it in, to or... flaunt it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Like you sure. know, what, what? Yeah. And then he's, he's like, turned wondering... out the lights, and it's yeah, like, yeah, wait, are they like, are they gonna the bang like right looking... there in front of everybody? Yeah, so yeah. he can tongue ever tongue it. Yeah, because he tells all the rest <laughs> of the set to leave, exactly. except for the actor and yeah, yeah, yeah Diana. Yeah. And then I mean, you go at the end of that, he's like, turn the lights down. Because I'm like, I, I, I will say, I will well, say. Well, hold on, Ray, Ray, what, what were you going to jump yeah. in earlier? Oh, I was just going to say, I, I enjoyed how her delusions are so much so, my, the tagline underneath me right now is espresso disliker. So much so that this guy is fighting <laughs> for his artistic vision, which she views as herself. He locks eyes with her. Yeah. <laughs> 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 that scene was awesome by the way that's angelo Badalamente. yes who's great as the, as the guy who, and like when he does the thing where he's just like yeah uh, <laughs> like it's so like and they and in pure david lynch style would just right on it uh, as he just yeah. and then they're like oh man he didn't like that did he like no he definitely didn't he's vomited into his little <laughs> napkin yeah but that's angelo Badalamente, his like music, uh his right? composer partner yeah yep he was great which I want to I want to talk about the music in this. I have a I grabbed a uh, thing where he's talking about it with, and he brought okay, he brought Angelo Bonamente, Um He brought him to Cannes with them. Like he was yeah. one of the people on stage at Cannes. Um, so th this is this is them talking about the music in it, and I wanted to ask Conan about this because this is his last show before he goes on his old uh, on his old tour. <laughs> Little did you know, I dominate the entire show. But anyway, <laughs> no, I figured. But... <laughs> you know, you even seen Christina? Is she gonna be on this episode? Kidding, jokes. Sorry, that's all. The theme of Mulholland Drive. Angelo and I were working. It had nothing to do with Mulholland Drive. And I don't remember why 
but I wanted a Russian feel for something. And we wrote, you know, Rangelo wrote um, a Russian, uh, a Russian thing. And then we were working, I wanted a Russian, another Russian thing. <laughs> and so we were working on that Russian thing. And, but both of them kind of came to a dead end. And so I said, why don't you try, Angelo, put the two together. And Angelo kind of, his head is kind of wobbling. He's running the notes in his head. He starts playing. And there's the theme to Mohan Drive. Unbelievable heart and emotion comes through that music. It's so beautiful. I sit near Angelo sometime on the piano bench and I talk in words. It doesn't matter really where we start. Same like with re rehearsal, you know, you start where you start and I talk to Angelo and he plays what I talk. And if it's not right, I say, no, 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 Angelo. And I have to change my words. After a while, and it happens pretty fast, Angelo will catch something. Angelo, Angelo, that's so beautiful. And off, off we go. And that's how it, how it works. Okay, there's a story about Angelo from Blue Velvet. <clears throat> Angelo, we were shooting in the uh, slow club. And Angelo is playing piano in a, a band on stage while Isabella sings Blue Velvet. And so we're setting up shot. The piano is on the edge of the frame. Isabella is in the center. Angelo senses where the camera is and he starts scooting closer and close, almost off the piano bench to get in the shot. <laughs> so once you get that idea about Angelo, um, he's, um, he's uh, kind of shameless. I always say, you know, <laughs> um, it's sound and picture flowing together in time. It's sound is so important. And uh, so it, it just um, seems to be uh, common sense that um, sound um, being so important is something that you uh, work very hard on to get it to feel correct. Yeah, I mean, I have the CD of this. And I listened to that soundtrack obsessively. That was like a whole mood, just like this one peak soundtrack, which, which, which again, in our, our private chat, we were just talking about how, like, remember this was going to be a show. Mm -hmm. mm. <laughs> like right when the Sopranos was starting to like be like, Oh, TV shows can do that. Yeah. And that's why I put the Richie appeal getting shot in the intro. Oh, <laughs> um, but I, I mean, Valamente and Lynch have to be like one of the best combinations of filmmaker and uh, soundtrack artist. Like in, 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 in the history of film, in the beginning, productive. in the beginning of this, right? The, the, the not the jitterbug part, but like the opening credit montage or whatever, where, where the car is driving. I won a jitterbug contest. What? fifties. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, when they're driving through, and like you know, you see the Mulholland Drive sign, and yeah. then there's like those cool shots of like L.A. and like yeah. Hollywood or whatever, like the Hollywood Hills. Like I feel like you could take that. Um, that theme and those shots, right? Like the location shots that are like beautiful throughout this. And you could put together like an opening montage for an every, every week uh, show really. Oh, absolutely. Like with the, dun, 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 like that, that music. Uh, I, I feel I, like I could, like I could envision that as soon as I realized that it was supposed to be a show originally. Yeah. And, and I think it would have been very successful. And it's too bad that yet again, the executives, you know, 
twice bitten <laughs> were like didn't really get it you know and and it's it's a it's a shame because it's uh, I'm sure that wouldn't astound you but it it does make for a great honestly it's crazy because I if I if I was gun to my head who would point a gun to my head for this but like what's your favorite David Lynch film it might be this one like it, but it's crazy because it's like it wasn't even conceived as that. Like it was, it was, it's absolutely nuts. And that, like, it was like, what would this TV show have been? <laughs> ah, it's Mulholland Drive. Uh, what would this TV show have been? I don't know. I think it would have, and I think it would have hit right again, right as Sopranos was becoming. While we, while, what we knew to be like the the first stage of prestige TV, which is long over, by the way. Peace and love, yeah. Heart, but I gone. Mean- <laughs> I mean, yeah, I Thank don't you. I don't I don't know how you would turn this into a into a show really because I would love to see him try, you know, like I mean, arguably people said the same thing about Twin Peaks when it when it first started like how do they make a show of this? Got to solve this murder eventually. <laughs> and I think you just have so many rich characters and you have so many other things going on. I mean, Lord knows what it would have gone to. Also important to note, this is a little tidbit that Mahalan Drive and the, really the only thing that survived was the title was going to be a Twin Peaks spinoff starring Audrey Horn. Hmm. But that didn't last. And he did Lost Highway and he threw away everything with that. The only thing that, that um, he kept was the title, which Mark Frost came up with, by the way. I mean, it's kind of fascinating. Uh, I feel like David Chase, Ew. like the, the Sopranos guy, <laughs> takes a lot of like very lynching elements to a lot of the... I Some of it's sure. kind of facile, I feel like. But the, uh, like the, the dream sequences in The Sopranos, I feel like, have a lot to... Uh, kind of take a lot from the david lynch type stuff right like the talking fish that he sees and the fucking uh like there's that he did like entire episodes where it was all like a dream and you're supposed to be in like after tony gets shot he did two episodes that are just fully a dream like i feel like uh it takes a lot from like that lynchian that lynchian universe um i don't know it makes i I, I think twin peaks was was incredibly influential as a television show and yeah in ways that Maybe the full credit has not been given to you. And maybe that's because the second season's so whack. <laughs> <laughs> Which it turns out if you take like the genius auteur out of the show, you can have all the foundation of the show. You can have like the walls of it, but it's not really the same. Oh. But anyway. When you force he- him to solve his murder mystery very yeah. quickly in the show, very early in the show, <laughs> what are you left with? But Nadine in high school <laughs> Do, doing weightlifting and it was like Weightlift- what what is happening why is this happening and how can i make it not happen and i say mm-hmm. that as it's one of my favorites of all time you could be you could be like the wire and then be like oh man now there's another murder oh maybe i'll just invent one but, but the thing is you gotta understand that this was this wasn't cable tv this was network television yeah. Yeah. and the only thing i can think of that was this big of a swing would have been uh, the hannibal tv show yeah Hannibal and friends. <laughs> I mean, my only excuse for like like how how they how they got away with it, it was like oh, it must have been nobody was watching because it's like the Mads Mickelson one I'm talking about, of course. I uh, love him. It's so great, Mads, but like Mads. I think we've had this discussion, Christina. Sorry, yes. Mads. But it's like, was anyone watching this show? Do they not have censors on these networks? Like, I mean, I'm I'm like I can't believe they're getting away with it every week. It's crazy. Was well, like those shows where. Um, you know, they start off at, you know, 9.30 at night and then they're moved to, like, 11.50 at night. You know what I right. mean? Like, everyone knows, oh, I've got, got the hoodie on. Like, big Millennium fan here, right? 
Millennium, uh, used, to, Millennium used to come on at like midnight because it, people thought it was so whack and didn't understand yeah. what the fuck was going on. But when it first aired, it was on at like 9.30 after X-Files. So, you know, and it was like, what are they doing? What's going on in here? Nah. And they move it right to the, <laughs> to the end, back at the end of the night. But still play it on mainstream. But then I also think, like, if you look at Mulholland Drive and you look at the, like the the uh, the opening scene at Winkies, Winkies the diner, <laughs> yeah, which, and you and you see that whole like like literally you are told what is going to happen, but it still manages to be so intense and so suspenseful and so nuts that like it's still somehow a jump scare when you're like, no, he told you what was going to happen. Yeah, he literally yeah. said what was going to happen, and then it happened, and then it was still scary, and then you're like. Nope, I'm good. That's that's not interesting. I've never seen. I've seen plenty of that before, you know. Like, I mean, crazy, crazy to think about. I, I like if somebody had had like the sense to actually say yes to it. But then who knows? Maybe yeah. it would have been mid. Probably not. But I mean, you, you mm -hmm. don't. Yeah, you just don't know. I mean, Twin Peaks when it was on TV. Like, I remember. Like, yeah, we had to. You know, we'd sneak out into the lounge room. Like, you know. We were like, we're still like, I was still young then, even though I'm nearly 43, but I was like still young. And it was like, you'd sneak out because it was yeah. such a thing. Like it was like Twin Peaks, ooh. like, you know, it, it's very on the cusp. So, But, like, but then let's think about what was popular. Was it 24 spun up around then, right? You know, 24, uh, you know, there's like, there was one of the many law and orders that was around. Wasn't yeah. it, was, was 2001 when Alias came out? Was uh, the Jennifer Garner show? I think so. Anyway, doesn't yeah. matter. It, anyway, not exactly a bold time for television. No, there wasn't a lot like that was pushing any kind of boundaries or there was any in any way. Except the uh, the the boundaries of acceptable bigotry after nine eleven. Yeah. <laughs> well, I did I did say twenty four, didn't I? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was like nine nineteen ninety was when it first aired, so there wasn't much much else that was you know. I remember, like, I don't know, nine hundred two one zero talking about lesbians, like on a very special cool. episode of nine hundred two one zero. Yeah, it was like and sexual assault and stuff, and my parents were like, "You can't watch this show; it's for <laughs> adults." <laughs> and then it was my like, parents didn't give a fuck. Weird, that's what's weird. My my parents would let me watch it, you know, like sneakingly, but yeah. and didn't care, like, but wouldn't let me sit and actually watch it <laughs> but i could watch every horror movie as bloody and disgusting since i was about five your parents mm -hmm. are like it's all right she's gonna have a podcast about that one <laughs> <laughs> they were very forward thinking in that way yeah. <laughs> so it was like yeah i could watch as much gore blood and guts as humanly possible but you know if it had any kind of like weird or you know yeah sex or any other stuff it was like oh no naughty <laughs> so this is uh this is him talking about the TV side of it and the the cancellation uh before it even started because they filmed I think they filmed a um I, I think they filmed the the pilot and that's it. <laughs> Mulholland Doctor is my favorite Rich. medical procedural. <laughs> Smith, by the way, very good, very good. That's good. That's and thank you, you for the super friend. chat. Thank thank you for the, thank you for the money. Yeah. One day YouTube will send it over. Don't worry, I'll never check see out his comic. It. By the way, check, check out his comic, uh, Cactus. Uh, oh man, what is it called? It's something called uh, Cactus. Is in the title. It's it's really great stuff. They just got a Dave Sim cover for it, so y'all check that right. out. Awesome. Thank you, James. Appreciate it.
shots are one thing, but then I like to meet the people or sometimes Joanna will um, has people read, just talk on video. I never make them audition a scene ever. And um, I like to talk to people or see them talking. And uh, then I get a feeling um, about them and I can see if, if they can make it through the film. Like I'm running scenes in my head and they'll see this person can go this far or do that, but that it's not going to work for that. And it go like it goes like that. So eventually, um, uh, through meeting and talking, uh, you find that I find the, the people like that. Naomi came in and did not look exactly <laughs> like the photograph that I had fallen in love with. It was disappointing. It was not <laughs> disappointing. A little bit. It was. It was. Um, uh, devastating. <laughs> so um, I asked Naomi if she could come back yeah. uh, with some makeup on. And then she did. And we talked some more like this. Uh, Naomi uh, was friends with my assistant's son. And they were talking and jabbering away. And then I see um, another side of Naomi. And already I was maybe say 98% there. But that day I just said, you know, Naomi's perfect. And uh, she turned out to be perfect. So we went to work on the pilot of Mulholland Drive. The title was gonna be used as a possible spinoff of Twin Peaks. And then that didn't happen, but the title came over. We gave the pilot, not yet finished, over to ABC television. And the executive in charge watched this pilot at six o'clock in the morning, standing up on the phone, drinking coffee with a thing on a TV across the room, and he didn't like it. So, on the phone? Uh, making phone calls, you know, like an executive, they do. <laughs> so, um, but, you know, sometimes these things, it happens. Everybody knows that sometimes something looking very negative can be a gigantic blessing. It, it, like with Twin Peaks and Mohan Drive, it's like I see it as a, as a film. We're shooting celluloid at scenes, as actors and actresses and places and mood, just like a film. So... My friend Pierre Edelman came over from Paris for a visit and we were talking and um, it was very sad that this thing was stopped. And he said, well, let me talk to some people in, in Paris and uh, see if it could get money to make it a feature. A thing started that took a year. I mean, it was... Uh, a long time. A year and a half. Maybe a year and a half. I started calling um, to find out where they stored, you know, the sets, where they stored the props. I started, you know, getting a, a real bad feeling. All the props went back, they call it, back into the stream. Wardrobe back into the stream. Sets destroyed. I didn't know what was going to happen. And then right about that time, the contract got done. 
and that meant we we're we're going. But I had zero ideas, zero. And this is a true story. That night, the night of the green light, with no ideas, I sat down and did my meditating. And this particular meditation, I dived down in there. And as I say, like a string of pearls, one idea after another came and I knew exactly what to do. Hmm. It is interesting because like him being so into TM and stuff, like it really makes sense like how dreamlike and meditative the films are. Mm-hmm. I, I yeah. just want to make sure I put this out there. It's Papa Balloon and Cactus and uh, James is kickstarting issue three right now. So yeah. so uh, go check that out. Especially if you're listening to the podcast and you can't see the, all the interactions, <laughs> which people do. Um, yeah, I mean, it's kind of fascinating too, right? Like the the blue box, like I, as cool as they did that at the end of the clip or whatever, like it, it is kind of a connection with your subconscious and a uh, connection with, you know, the, the dream state, I guess, through like transcendental meditation, like that does, it, it unlocks something. I mean, if you're looking for ideas of a story and like, uh, you know, a coherent or less than less than immediately coherent narrative, and you're looking to uh, parse out your, you know, your own subconscious to try to map that for a project like this. Like, it, it feels like meditation is something that would really key you into that. And people overuse dreamlike. Like, David Lynch, especially in this film, like, this is a dreamlike film, mm-hmm. yeah. for sure. But, like, people well, yeah. overuse dream where it's like, no, you're using soft focus. That's not dreamlike. <laughs> Go ahead, yeah, well, yeah, I was just going to say, like, the, the way it's shot and the colors, everything like that is very ethereal and, like, it's made to look like it's very much that dreamlike, yeah. you know, whimsy sort of feeling. That's it, also, it also mocks you throughout it. Like, um, when she first gets there, she's like, I can't believe I'm in this dream place. Yeah, yeah. And like as you're trying to figure out like the the plot of this which, movie, and which, as you're trying which, to like yeah. you know engage with it, it's like I can't believe I'm in this dream place. It's almost like David Lynch fucking pointing at you and being like, "Is it a dream? Is it not? I don't know. Keep watching." Like, yeah, <laughs> I love and I I love the scene um, when they go to, you know, when they go to the club and they see Rebecca Del Rio play like oh. sing crying. That that scene is so good. So great, and I love like. Um, the singer Rebecca um, Del Rio, she she actually came over and did a tour here in Australia. No my way! House, yeah, and my housemate saw her and um, got like some stuff signed or whatever. And she was incredible. Like, um, yeah, really amazing. Like, this was not that long ago she came over. Like, and yeah, like, uh, but like, I was like, I've completely forgot that. But I knew I, I've listened to the song "Crying" since I was a kid from Roy Orbison. So I was like, I was like, hang on a minute. That's right. And as soon as she started, like I could tell from the music and the notes that that's what she was singing. But like that, that scene is super like, I don't know. There's something really poignant about that scene. Well, and also plays with the idea of, uh, you know, reality and, and performance and kind of repeating a lot of the themes that are, Mm. you know, it it makes sense why it's a joiner between like the, you know, what is the scene is the dream and, and reality because, The, the sort of carnival barker character they saying that there's no band like it's it's, it's all in there He's down, yeah. down with the bits of like the Best oh yeah this is re- salesman of uh <laughs> 1943 or something yeah yeah like but also to the point of like 
the recorded bit that's like, but this part isn't real. But check this out, you know, and there's a little like, a little, <laughs> and even yeah, even when like um, Rebecca Del Rio, like you know, she falls over and stuff. She falls like, over during the song, but it is her and then, singing, like, dragging her out, and then they they leave the backing track playing. It's like even yeah, it's even the lyrics. Like, the lyrics to crying, right? Like, I was all right for a while. I could smile for a while. But I saw you last night. You held my hand so tight as you stopped to say hello. Oh, you wished me well. But I couldn't tell. Or you couldn't tell that I've been crying over you. Like, that, yeah. like even that tells you a lot about her uh, subconscious yeah. state that she's in. During, especially during that party scene, right? Where she has to go and fake it yeah. like she isn't completely in love with her. Yeah. And, you know, that she isn't enraged by all of this and, and isn't plotting her death or whatever like i mean you know if, if and was, roy orbison you know who had a lot of tragedy within his life also has like one of those voices that like it's like mm-hmm. you know one of the reasons why that cover is so amazing because it you know it matches in some ways excels the original which there's something about roy orbison songs that when they cover they're covered they don't usually hit as hard and yeah. part of it's like the dude had so much tragedy in his life. Like seriously, yeah, he lost like, he lost two life. kids in a fire and like his yeah. second wife to a motorcycle crash. Yeah, even like I was um, the like a, a good friend of mine. One of his like lines is like, "You're not, you know, if you're really a goth, like, <laughs> do you listen to Roy Orbison? Because he's Word. he yeah. he is he he is quintessentially like one of the early goths." Yeah. Whether you want to admit it or not, like the man is sad. <laughs> like, like, but even even like farther into this, it's hard to understand. But the touch of your hand could start me crying. Like that's yeah. such a, a poignant thing. And I from think, a so. ma- from a male as yeah. well, Forrest is like sure. key. It's like you know, it's like he. And at the time that song was made, being sung by a male, who's it's not about, it's not a third person. This is a female. It's you know, it's from the male, which was pretty rare to be that emotional. Yeah, it was also emo before emo. Mm-hmm. Emo before emo, yeah. <laughs> we don't hold that against him though. Yeah, yeah. Uh, can I also say the the, the Palace Theater where Club Silencio is, it's like the back entrance to the Palace Theater. I've played many, many shows in that neighborhood, uh, including down the way. And I'm gonna be playing another one next week <laughs> at the Redwood Bar Lounge, which is about four blocks from the location of Club Silencia, which is kind they, of they closed it, right? It's uh, it's- uh, Palace Theater, yeah, and also like many things in every city, um, it's so gentrified now. But back when they shot this, like it was, <laughs> it was not. <laughs> That's the best way that I can put it. It was not that way. Uh, and, and now I think it's an operational theater again, like a, a, a full-on movie theater an event booking place. But like, yeah, at the time that Mulholland Drive came out, like nobody went downtown in LA. LA is like, it was just, it was all like people behind the dumpster. That's why they would let punk rock bands play, right? Because it's like, what are we, what are you going to bother? Nothing. Just don't get killed. You know, (laughs) this Um, guy's full of shit. Who the fuck is, who's, who's, who's this guy? Ravana. What is, what are you talking about, Who Stock? Him? Who is this guy that's full of shit? What the fuck are you talking about? Who hurt this guy? <laughs> Conan, I think you peed him off. <laughs> Feel free to fuck off forever and die. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> He's really angry that you mentioned the gentrification. I know. I always said it's downtown LA got gentrified. It's an objective truth. I look, man. <laughs> I don't know what to die. Yeah. <laughs> Um, 
But yeah, I, I think that it's it's a really interesting location. We'd like to welcome all Rayvon as fans onto the show. <laughs> I didn't know what that, that came out of. I'm you won't all be called out individually and threatened. Don't worry. That's <laughs> <laughs> fine. I say we're stuck to them on a daily basis. So. I was going to say, if you're on Rayvon's <laughs> channel, you... We never talked about, though, the homeless person around the corner. Yes. Somehow yes. we've never, we have not yeah, yet please. discussed on him. that. Yes. Unhoused Elder God. Thank you. <laughs> because, I don't know, like, rewatching the movie, something that stuck with me is, well, first of all, she sees these guys who she's imagining are sitting in this diner having this conversation when she's there giving the money to the guy to, to put the hit on yeah. Camilla. And, like, he says, I pictured this place in a dream. You were standing over by the counter, and I was feeling very scared. When I look back at you, you were scared. And then I imagined mm. this man who's behind the wall. I could see him through the wall, you know. And, you know, the dream that he's imagining comes true, which for him is a very scary dream. For her, she wants this dream to be real. But at the end, you still have to go around the corner. He doesn't have to. That guy had... He doesn't have to walk around the corner and see if no. the guy is there. He doesn't fucking have to do that. He does, though. Just like she has to eventually, you know, turn the corner and come to terms with what's the reality of her life. Yeah, that's right. And then inevitably, you know, ends up killing herself because of the horrific tragedy of her life and, and you know, the, the, the not self-inflicted tragedy also. But I don't know. That's how I sort of interpreted it. But... I don't know. Is it like a metaphor for all of like the horrible things that are lurking around the corner in her life? I don't know. So maybe it's just David up Lynch. The puzzle box. Right. David Lynch wanted me to gasp every time I see the scene. Doesn't matter how many times I see it. I saw it on Twitter the other day. I still gasped. I know what's I, coming. And again, I know it's you know exactly yeah. what's going to happen. He You're screwed. literally told what's going to happen. Then they're like, let's go look. I'm, I'm like, no, let's leave immediately. Let's not go do that. I'm good. <laughs> I'm I mean, solid. I mean, it's interesting, though, that, like, I feel like that uh, it kind of, like, represents, like, the inner darkness. Uh, the the inner darkness um, in, in, like, in your mind, right? Like, everybody's mind kind of has this, like, dark place. And it, it almost feels like a... Um, a therapy session where he's talking to the guy in some ways where he's like, you know, it's like you bring your therapist to a place and you're like, I need to, you know, make sure that there isn't the scary monster behind the wall. And like the, the guy's like, all right, well, we're going to take you through it. Right. We're going to slowly walk to that wall. And, you know, there isn't going to be a monster thing because this is real life. Like this isn't a dream. And let's try to, you know, parse this out. And it kind of like he's in, trying to engage with that darkness in his own mind and dies instantly or, you know, collapses instantly as soon as it happens because that darkness is there. But in, in a similar way, like she tries to engage with that darkness in her own mind and it ends up with her killing herself because, you know, like you can't really like maybe it's too traumatic. Maybe it's too dark. Maybe it's like, right. you know what I mean? Like that yeah. that thing ends up consuming you if you go looking for it. Well, and then there's something to ask that, okay, that, um, what's eyebrows name? Uh, the, what's the actor's <laughs> name? Eyebrows. 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 Yeah, we all, we Brows all know who I'm generous. talking about. Yeah. One thing. Yeah. Well, okay. Sure. But what's that, what's that fellow's name? I don't remember. Uh, I mean, you could also argue that like, it's like some extended metaphor for, yeah, his character, like seeing, uh, Diane, um, put out the hit. On, on her on her lover too and like you know yeah. what that darkness is right and that ties back into the and then it comes back to like the big extended like fame and yearning metaphor 
of what you know the, the turn of fate um that led camilla to be like the, the superstar who's got everything going for her versus get into behind the dumpster as well you know just as easily and what what is to say you know who deserves which fate I I also I mean what do you guys think of or what do you guys make of the um so in the beginning we get that jitterbug scene and uh, <laughs> I want a jitterbug contest. Well, I just so you, you the jitterbug, scene. jitterbug contest. I just and then it. and then I don't know if it's I don't know if it's her parents behind yeah, her year or two thousand. Like, like what? Yeah. What kind of contest is this? What what are the rules for this contest? If I would she love just to gets know. to go to Hollywood. Yeah. Because of it, I, I don't, don't, know, what, I don't know what this means. By the way, I don't know either. He's saying that it. he doesn't understand what we're talking about. Essentially, right, well, feel but... free to again fuck off and die. As I <laughs> Thank you. Uh, we got a serious, substantive conversation here about a great movie. Uh, no, but uh, so, so the, the the elderly people, right? Like, I assume maybe it's oh her my parents, God. or maybe it's are, are behind her in the beginning of the of the thing, and then they're the ones that you know. Aunt Ruth like, is in there. Yeah, which is well, like, and, what. So, when is this so taking they're, place? <laughs> they're behind her in 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 the in the jitterbug contest or whatever, and you yeah. assume like that's kind of her memory of being young and winning. I, I guess in Ontario they just have jitterbug contests, and, then, <laughs> and you, you get know, to go to Hollywood. Every time I've gone to Ontario, I've never seen a jitterbug contest, so I can't speak to that. Uh, it's been a while. <laughs> I'm not an expert. Uh, I could ask Cory Doctor last night to, if uh, you know he's. Uh, so, uh, so, so let's get so, Chris Murphy of Sloan on the line. We'll, we'll sort right yeah, yeah. So you get that scene. And then when she goes into Hollywood for the first time, right? Like those people are with her. It's like Irene and whoever the guy is. And that's like her, like, welcome to Hollywood moment. She, she made friends. She's so wholesome. She can make friends with, you know, this, this elderly couple on the plane that, you know, she just right. started talking to. But then they're the ones that chase her through the house at the end. They're yeah, when they're little. Oh, that was really crawling that me up when they're like little and they come through the door and then they go, Bee. yeah. And also, when they're at the airport, I was like, how come they get into a limousine? Yeah. Why do they go in a limousine? I why was are like, they smiling like that? Yeah, why are they so creepy? Yeah, and then yeah, and then they get in that long limousine and they're like, eee. And I'm like, what the fuck? And, and it looks like they're going to run into that minivan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, I don't know. Maybe, about that yeah. so unsettling. And, and yeah. yeah, and the, and like, um conan said the dialogue between them all is that really rehearsed cookie cutter dialogue that is laughable when it's you're like watching. a doris day movie kind of stuff yeah like oh, oh totally. yeah yeah like you know, is. Well, hollywood oh i can't believe i'm finally here <laughs> but, but i mean that's yeah. actually kind of what they were uh what, what i think um uh, lynch was going for was was like that classic doris day kind of uh you know wow yeah. um you, you know if you go back country to girl in the big city yeah well it's yeah. her it's her uh most innocent slash you know uniquely talented even though she's still a nepo baby in her mind in that one too but her her uh you know her talented um like uh you know innocent side or whatever that you're dealing with and then which makes it all the more stark when you actually realize like oh no this is like probably the most jaded fucking mentally slipping person you've ever seen in your life despite the mm -hmm. fact that she still manages to kind of fake it i mean in the you know the, the party scene up to the point where she right. freaks out and, and then then we're in the room with the guy that, that okay so so what about the the blonde woman who kisses um uh the, Melissa the george who is also australian yeah <laughs> and who also has the same name in the uh other yes. part as the the um 
uh, I'm sorry. I, Camilla I can't Rhodes is yes. who she is yeah. in the dream. Yeah. And yeah. then she kisses her, which which is almost like a metaphor of like slipping her way to the top too. It's like like, but who is she in in the like reality versus the dream? And it's it's so interesting of like like uh, that that she's in both places, yet yet um, you know we still don't know who she is. I mean, I I assumed that she was just like a friend of Camilla's, right? Like yeah. just another one of the the friends that she has that go to the same parties and they're in all the same movies she like gets her because she's like I, i'm guessing she's a star at that point and she mm -hmm. kind of has her like she's little the entourage that, that the mafia yeah. are like you must choose her but but mm -hmm. she can't be camilla rhodes she can't be uh you know the 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 other character because rita's the other the other character well, and, and that's what comes back to like yeah. that being the dream state and sort of like this is the scenario that she imagines why that like oh she couldn't have ever gotten that role because like there was the fix was in for it the yeah. cowboy because like, it's the sylvia north story yeah. it's the same story both you know that she says later um oh you know that was my first role and i wanted it so bad and you know we we met because um she ended up with it and i i do i love the i love that it's like it, it's such like a facile child's uh version of like what it must be like uh in like the the underground of hollywood or something where it's like oh well you know there's a mafia guy there's like these mafia guys that really want her <laughs> there's to a fight. cowboy there's yeah, a... And the cow like the cowboys <laughs> like they must have also hired this cowboy to fucking threaten him like, yeah like there's just so many layers of like um they're all threatening him and you know there's some muscle that took out billy ray cyrus who we've firmly <laughs> established as an alpha he uh he really he really like uh he really wanted me he keeps staring at me like the director but he couldn't have it and because of the mafia and this cowboy and also this weird little dwarf guy that has a huge head and a small body like like they're they're all pushing for like it can't just be one of those things right like it's an incoherent yeah. plot because it's her own version of how she lost out on her first because it's an incoherent rationalization yeah. <laughs> absolutely no yeah. and i think and that again, like it's not meant to pass scrutiny to, yeah oh, sorry, that comes back to the like the you know to the how much can we trust from this narrator it's so yeah nothing is, you definitely yeah. can't trust anything like, from it's this all completely skewed and you know you just got no clue how much of it is real and not real yeah. or imagined in her mind or you know projections of of obsessions or anxieties or failures you know yeah because yeah. in your own mind you're not a failure you're you're a successful talented artist and people are just failing to see that see it you. yeah exactly yeah. and, and that, or, that's or, what makes uh, the you know both the dream and what we see is reality because because it's uh and, and y'all are gonna hate me for this but but it's it's kind of like how the room uh is like t trying to tell a story of a breakup, but the guy's trying to tell the story like he's not the bad guy. And uh, this is almost kind of the same way, except it's intentionally like that and it's not bad. <laughs> <laughs> no, there there definitely is some like Tommy Wiseau energy to uh, the actual character of Diane Selwyn, right? Like the unfulfilled artist that is mm. just so desperate to kind of make it and has so many different resentments and grievances. Like um, if you watch the, uh, if, if you watch the, not not the room, but like the one that James Franco and fucking um, Seth yeah. Rogen made, like that movie. If you watch that version of it, like he's like everybody's against me. Like <laughs> yeah. there's just like this this yeah. resentment, this built up resentment when you feel like you know no one's ever seen your genius and they all keep rejecting you. And it's not that like it's not you, it's them. They can't see you know that like, you're perfect uh, stardom and you're you're meant to be. A there star. must be some reason yeah. why. There has to be some outside influence, some reason why it would. <laughs> there has yeah. to be. A little person sitting in a room encased in glass. <laughs> yeah. calling the shot. No. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I'm looking this right is, at him. This <laughs> is the girl. I also like that they flip back a lot of the um a lot of like. Can, can I say dialogue. that's how we that's how we cast uh uh Rita slash Camilla as well. Uh, she he literally saw her photo and was like, "This is the girl," which is amazing because that's like yeah. one of the well, many corollaries of the movie, right? He's also he's also mocking. I mean, when we watch that uh, that clip, right? Like he's mocking the concept of making people like read a scene. Like he's yeah, like, yeah. I'd never make people. So it's like it's his own. But, but he didn't make Laura Herring read the scene. Like he, he literally own, was like it's his own disdain. It feels like yeah. for that kind of audition, right? Like yeah, yeah. Like I need to see the person, but like we can get them to act. You know, like <laughs> the first time Tommy Wiseau has been compared to David Lynch. I think you're probably <laughs> right about that, James. You're probably right. This is the fifties. Everybody's against me. <laughs> it's no longer your film. That's a great line, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. It's like, and what does he say? Like, oh, you can do it whatever you want for the rest of the cast, but you know. Yeah, I was watching a different yeah. interview with uh with Lynch, and he was talking about how like if you have final cut, unless you have final cut, the movie is not yours. And, yeah. and you know, it was a lesson he had to learn like early in, in the game. And I guarantee you that line is probably about Dune. You know, like like that's <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. And and also he I think he also mentions like where he's been, you know he's where he's tried to make things and they've failed whether they be you know because he hasn't had Final Cut or people have come in and tried to twist that like there's this really good video on that um, is circulating on like TikTok and um, Instagram Reels at the moment of him cut and sick over um, like the. Um, producers and stuff saying he's only got two days to shoot this particular thing and he's like ah, he's just going <laughs> mental he's like it's not possible and it's just like this is ridiculous like how you like and talking about the process and everything and like just yeah he's talked a lot about his disdain for the process and having to you know having those outside influences get too involved and try to take over what you're doing when you see the girl in the picture that was shown you earlier today, you will say, this is the girl. The rest of the cast can stay. That's up to you. But the choice for that lead girl is not up to you. Now, you will see me one more time if you do good. You will see me two more times if you do bad. Good night. The lights flicker off as he walks away from his dude ranch. <laughs> Uncle Alligator. Back uh, into the, uh, the swamp. Are there swamps a swamp in LA? up there, yeah. <laughs> okay. uh, no, not really swamp. There's tar pits. But yeah, 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 that's what I was pit. thinking. Not really. Maybe it's not a swamp. Yeah. Right, uh, <laughs> yeah. We had a swamp installed. <laughs> um, and Listen, kid, if you need a swamp for this picture, you'll have a swamp. <laughs> There's also a thing um, that I was reading where they mentioned like the, you know, the parallels obviously but between like the American dream and the fantasy of Hollywood and um, all of that from obviously people within Hollywood. But not only was he making a comment about that, but also a comment about how audiences want, you know, at that time, it's very, I guess we're talking beautiful mind versus Mulholland Drive. People want the the nicer, you know, they want the the Hollywood, and they don't want the reality. They want the fake. So yeah, and well, I mean, it, it's it's both. It's also taking a jab at that as well. Yeah. 
It's well, like it's, build, it's building an industry that works on on reality, right? Like it's an industry that works on performance that actually chews up and spits people back out, like mm. on like a mass scale, right? Like people are constantly being fed into like the Hollywood machine, and a lot of them like either die of a drug overdose, uh, some kind of murder, they lose their money. Like there's all yeah. these really sad End up in living in tent city. Yeah. So like it, it's like an like it's an unreal industry. An industry based on fantasy that's selling fantasy that actually right. chews up and spits out people in the real world. So I yeah. feel like that that very much is part of the commentary of this. His yeah. own feelings about, you know. By the way, other Best Picture nominees for that year. Gosford Park. Yeah. Moulin Rouge. Mm. Come on now, Baz. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> uh, and Fellowship of the Ring, Lord of the Rings. Hell Yeah. I mean, Lord of the Rings, I'm not going to... That's a good film, sorry. I, well, gonna, no, it's great. Just see me one more time if you're too good. One more time. That was scary. I was Lynch did win Best Director for Mulholland Drive at Cannes, so... He did, which counts counts for more, but yeah. like yeah. Again, this goes back to like... Th this is a good example of a movie that's been... Like, I'm re still... Remembered well by history. Yeah, like I'm still pissed. With the, like I don't take Oscars seriously because I'm still pissed that Aaron Brockovich won Best Film against like fucking Requiem for a Dream. Yeah, Julia Roberts won Best Actress against Ellen Burstyn for her role in fucking Requiem for a Dream. I'm like, how, how? <laughs> like that to me just sums up. Yeah, that's the cowboy in the background. Yeah, and it's and again, it's, it's absolutely and, and and it's history has been kind of Mahal and Drive. Like it's 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 found its audience. It's been recognized as a masterpiece, right? And, I mean, there, there's a great. lot. There's a certain uh, subset of people on online and in real life that, like, you know, I know like people that have made <laughs> like have made like uh, being David Lynch fans like a big part of their personality. Oh like, yeah, I, yeah. Like I've I've friends. I've got a follower on my film log Instagram that whose name is Mulholland Oats, which I think is pretty great. <laughs> <laughs> and that's her whole deal, and she's great, and I'm, I'm glad to know her. But it's like, yeah, like this is it's it it is like it's it's a fandom that's very specific, and it's not nearly as obnoxious, at least I feel, than than a lot mm. of them. But they like, had it, the it is, uh, David Lynch Festival here in Chicago. I'm gonna say really? two years, a year and a half ago now. Um, and I didn't go, I wanted to go, but I didn't, but yeah, there's a big fandom of nerds that love David Lynch. <laughs> yes. They are the nerdy, they are nerdy people. We are nerdy people. That's who is there at that yeah. festival. But like, but yeah, not like necessary. I've seen some weird stuff, like trying to defend him signing the Polanski letter, which is obviously indefensible, like trying to bend over backwards to justify that. Like, you just like the movies. That's fine. You can yeah, just say you like the movies. Yeah, yeah, you like the movies. Is that Well, I'm fascinated by Lynch just as a person. Like, I love listening to him talk. I love, like, him as a character and a person, mm -hmm. even without his films. I just You followed his weather reports? I watch his I weather reports. I love them. <laughs> I live for them. Like, it's Friday once again. It's a <laughs> Friday. Like, that amazing, the amazing um, biography documentary on him is like just phenomenal. Did you, did anyone see the Lynch Oz documentary that came out uh, last year? I was very interested in it, but. No, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't realize it was basically never going to go to streaming in, in the U.S. So <laughs> no. I, I would have maybe like got off my ass to go see it. But 
That guy apparently has made a whole bunch of different like mashup documentaries. Like that's like his whole thing. That director. <laughs> I mean, look, the David Lynch absolutely has a Wizard of the a Wizard of Oz fixation, and there there's yeah. even like, I mean, there's you can shot by shot. Uh, there's the whole like um, have, you, have you guys seen that here? I can, I, I can look it up. I, I, I'll, I'll show. I'll show, not tell. How about that? It sounds good. It sounds good. Uh, while we're doing that, I do have a question for Renee. Uh, was Ooh. Australia angry in 1987 when Crocodile Dundee lost to Hannah and her sisters for best screenplay? Look. Hannah and her sisters. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Uh, I don't think we ever really thought we'd win. Let's just put it that way. Okay. Australians are just happy to be in the race, mate. <laughs> so here's the, the entrance to Mr. Is it Roquet? Like Croquet? Roke. Office. Roke. Roke. Like yeah, Mr. like the Roke. second one down on the left. Like that straight so up to me is like Twin Peaks straight up. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. But like, like here's the wizard's home over here. Yeah. There's a smoke in the bedroom for no reason. There's a smoke mm -hmm. in Oz. There's the green pillars on Winkies, which is the same thing. They're in Oz. This, this is great, by the way. Tree face and apples at Sierra Bonita. <laughs> Thank you. Can you tell this, a dude wrote this site? But uh, th this guy, so uh, Andre or Alexandre uh, Felipe is the name of the uh, director that did the Lynch Oz thing. Mm -hmm. And some of the other ones he's done are uh, The People versus George Lucas, um, yeah. Doc, Doc of the yeah, Dead, uh, oh. Memory, The Origins of Alien. Um, and like 7852, like he did that documentary on the 78 uh, shots that they did for Psycho. Hmm. Oh, so all of his stuff is like, are like, any of them oh, any good? That's my question. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't, I haven't, I've heard, I've, I've, I have heard about of the, uh, the George Lucas one, and I think uh, everybody who uh, like is a uh, is an Evil Dead fan loved the uh, or, or that was Evil Dead, right? The 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 Doc of the Dead, Doc of the Dead. Let me see. I can't remember if it was Evil Dead or, or uh, could um, be George Romero. Yeah, we'll get our top uh, researchers on it. Well, he yeah. has, he has both Simon yeah. Pegg, George Romero, and Bruce Campbell in it, so I think uh, it's I think it's tracing the history of the zombie genre. But but movies I know with dead in the title, Waking the Dead is in it for some reason. Who knows why? <laughs> Shaun of the Dead. <laughs> John Waters is in. Um... Listen, kid, it has to have dead in the title. It ain't gonna sell. <laughs> um, it's uh, Conan. It's it is on Apple TV. Lynch Oz is? Oh, okay. I'll check it out. Yeah. Send you the link. Fantastic. I will take a look at that. Uh, th there's so much we have not gotten to with this movie. Mm -hmm. This movie is so goddamn dense. And that's what I love about colors. it. Blue, like, 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 I love the blue key. Keep The blue oh, key. Yeah. We haven't talked about that very much, about that like kind of coming in and out. And that's how you kind of realize what's, you know, it's whether it's in the dream, not dream. Well, um, and, and also the, the box and the box being empty, and when she asks the hitman what he's going to be in the box, and he, yeah, you know what I mean. Well, no, or, there isn't a box. What the thing that no, but that's what I mean. Like there, so there's just, with uh, yeah, the the thing with the key is that he just said he would put the key. It is a weird question to ask the guy. Like, yeah, what does this key go to? But he's like, oh, I'll yeah. just put this key under to make sure that you know. I mean, whether it's Camilla, I I, I think it's Camilla that gets killed, but you know, or the I think director, it is too. yeah. But like he, he's gonna slip it under somewhere, and then you see it on her table, and you—that's when you can kind of tell the chronology of it. Because when the key's right. on her table, 
that means that it's after after the fact after the party after she goes to the guy that when her brain is like going to shit right like she's becoming yeah. obsessive about it and there's multiple scenes where you see the key on the table um i also think that it's interesting with the red lampshade which is like one of his yeah well okay. yeah absolutely yeah and you realize that the red lampshade is her actual uh is just the one in her apartment that when mm -hmm. the phone rings or whatever like um because you hear her same message in the dream like she hears her own voice and then for yeah. some reason it's it's betty not um not rita that goes uh it's it's weird, weird to hear yourself weird. Yeah. yeah so like that's when you're the first one of the first times i feel like you could think like huh like there's like this might turn out to be like a different person. Than but Betty and Rita are like this, are basically the same person though, uh, as far as the dream sequence goes. Like like yeah, well it's, it's her own it's imagined. Like, yeah, it's yeah. like she represents both herself and uh, um, whoever uh, Betty actually ended up being. Well, uh, I, I, think, I think it represents <laughs> the yeah. it represents the the codependency, the the power imbalance, yeah. right? Like sure. But but also let's you, remember the yeah. red lamp shows up at the end of that like uh, phone tree. That like mm -hmm. is between the um, in Mr. Roke, yeah, yeah, Mr. Mr. Roke, who's wildly anti-Semitic on Facebook a few years back before he died too, like <laughs> like as well as supporting Trump. So that's like, oh, maybe we were better off with the tree. Said some Trump. crazy like, things <laughs> about David Lynch, also like said a bunch of crazy shit like as his new brand identity, basically. So no wonder he didn't work after Carnival. But like, he's like, that he's like the Jews made me three foot four. <laughs> He's like, James Woods, hold my this? beer. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, all respect to the dead. Uh, the, um, but that, that where they, they are calling each other and uh, the, the summation of which is like is that, that phone call chain, right? You, you, we all know the scene I'm talking about where, mm -hmm. where it's there's yeah. like they, they, the guy with a really hairy arm for some reason. <laughs> yeah. The rotary phone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, everyone's got like these old school phones, right? Yeah. There's also like, the light. They flick on the light and the light floods down on the phone. So you so like to make sure that you see the guy's hairy arm. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Exactly. So uh, there's a lot of theories about that um and, and what all that could mean but it has to do with the fact that if it was up you know if it is indeed uh diane putting out this this hit right it would, it would have to do with that but she doesn't answer but it's like well who they're saying you know if like uh, oh she, you know she's not there not around whatever i can't remember what the girl's still missing is that what she says mm. uh that um it's like one of like the one of the three things that Mr. Roke says the entire movie. Uh that like is he talking about Diana or is he talking about Camilla? I don't know. But like it's it's interesting that I wonder we got the evolution of the arm. No, really, dude was around the band. There's like a whole article written about it. It's like pretty is pretty crazy to see. Uh but like at the end of it, it's uh it's Diane and there's that red lampshade, which is also considered like shorthand for um like a lady of the night as well and if the real diane is you know nice enough apartment it's not as nice as the as the aunt's apartment but it's it's, it's a nice enough apartment that's like she's it's implied drinks. That maybe that's how it's she's sort of uh, like me and my house you're talking about this last night the, the apartment is so gross that kitchen is fucking disgusting it's not great yeah and it's all dank and yeah. that really horrible color scheme that's like a dirty teal and then like the, even like the little details like the stove is like looks like one of those ones that you have to put fucking wood in like it's so derelict almost okay michael j anderson's still alive he's invited to twin peaks five will be turned it down he actually didn't turn it down he started doing it was such a pain in the ass he was thrown off the set so peace and love him still being alive i'm so glad he's alive to you know 
back RFK Jr. Whatever the hell that guy's going to be up to. <laughs> Holy but, shit, like, he really is three foot seven. I said that as a joke. No, he no. Really is. Oh, you no, you nailed no. the, the height. No, right. I knew I knew he was like a, a small person, but I just went with three foot seven. I said the Jews made me three foot seven. He literally is three foot seven. But but he but it's funny because in this movie he's got a prosthetic body, so he's supposed to be like a yeah. normal sized dude. But he's always like shot and like just looks like a crazy ass looking gangster dude from like. But it's still like well, it's clearly that dude. Well, they're no trying to make his like head more normal sized or something for like right. for that character for, when they're doing perspective shots and and all that. And yeah. and, and, and I get it. Point of fact, even invoking that character was just that, like, with, with, with the <laughs> Anderson, chain. Anderson uh, portrayed a man of average height in Lynch's Mulholland Drive using a prosthetic body. What a way to put that on his fucking. <laughs> <laughs> That's on his Wikipedia entry? That's yeah. He did not look normal size. I'm sorry. No, he looks like. <laughs> if you saw that dude, you'd be like, what is wrong with that guy? What is happening with this dude? Yeah. I don't normally stare at people, but I'd be staring at that dude. <laughs> yeah, I mean, every. You, Sometimes you just got to, you know, something comes in the corner and yes. the periphery and you're like, shit. He's, he's sitting there like, like Tracy, nobody, <laughs> nobody knows. Nobody can tell this is a big yeah. body. <laughs> you're a man of normal size. <laughs> <laughs> and action. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, there's... And there's that very iconic scene of Naomi Watts uh, that like is like kind of like looking at the at the phone and like the and the red lamp is there and it's sort of like that. There's a lot of people that have interpreted like what that could mean, uh, not the least of which is that you know Joe the hitman saying like, "Hey, the job's done." And she kind of mm. is regretting what she's done, or maybe is not regretting what she's done, but just didn't doesn't want to deal with it in any way, shape, or form. Because yeah. I kind of, I kind of he dresses like a Dick oh, Tracy villain in real life. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 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 sorry he's he's at war with everybody because he seems to be like literally everyone has ever worked with him was like yeah that guy's a pain in the ass so yeah well he's lucky Lynch used him more than once yeah if he was such I, a shithead he got he got thrown off of the, he said that he was he turned it down he he was he went on to it and then like they're like no we're not doing that. Yeah, because I remember he, didn't make he, he said something things. about the money, like was blaming the, the money yeah. being the issue. And apparently everybody, when they first started filming, was like, somebody is being a gigantic pain in the ass on the set. Other than that, it's great. And it was him. <laughs> but all, like three or four people were. People are saying more and more that somebody. <laughs> Many people are Would you say that he had an oversized ego? <laughs> <laughs> it's a prosthetic ego. <laughs> <laughs> You have an ego of a man of a normal size, and go. <laughs> but I, yeah, I, I love so getting... how your David Lynch is almost a wall of Sean. You're a man of normal size. <laughs> See, I would, I would put. It can save them all. <laughs> he has a great accent. Uh, but yeah, the use of color in this is pretty fantastic. That, that blue really pops, right? Because mm -hmm. the, and then like the red again, it's like noticeable. To like, why is that lamp so ostentatious? Also, how are you getting an answering machine without an answering machine anywhere near the phone? But that's neither here nor there. Getting an answering machine on my rotary phone. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> the, the they they did have outboard devices. Maybe it wasn't visible. You know? The blue smoke, I feel like, signifies like the dream state in, in and out of it, right? Like because you see the blue smoke at the end of it, and you see the blue smoke at the beginning of it as mm. she's getting like uh, out of her car accident. Like she's she's the she's the one person that fucking survives the, the car getting T-boned, and she's like, "Oh, I guess I'm fine." Gets out of the car, and there's blue smoke all around her. Yeah. 
I think that uh, well, it's also notable. Uh, Laura Henning um, also got into an accident on the way to meet David Lynch, which is crazy because she hadn't even like read the script yet. At that yeah. Point. But, Wait, by the way, Matthew Film Guy says, uh, "I don't know if you guys said it earlier, but it's fun to remember what Mel Brooks called David Lynch: Jimmy Stewart on acid." Yeah. <laughs> I'd buy that. I'd yeah. Buy that. Uh, oh, there's a great uh, Julie Cruz is getting a shout out in the in the comments too. Before I forget, uh, there's a great episode of her performance anxiety which is a podcast i have been on or am going to be on i don't know if it's been out yet or not but there's a great episode of julie cruz that i would highly suggest for fans of uh, and, and she did pass away if i remember correctly sadly yeah, she did she, she also played the b-52s which i completely forgot about it's like oh yeah you played the b-52s yeah. that's why she was a sweet sweet lady she's semi she was um, also really high on edibles in this episode which is hilarious. yeah <laughs> <laughs> she, yeah she um i met her because she played did a collaboration with my friend who's a musician and golly i'm tripping balls <laughs> yeah she used to send me photos of her dogs all the time she's a very sweet lady uh yeah not to keep shouting out like the other material i, I okay so but so back to the, the 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 white whale of Mulholland drive which you could never have the same discussion about twice in any way shape or form right um it's crazy to me to think about like the narrative arc of all this and and the duality i think someone really early on was like as david lynch had another movie or enterprise or whatever that had two strong female leads i don't know is well, that, I, I would yeah. argue that Twin Peaks had. I guess Twin Peaks. Yeah, yeah. yeah like I would you argue. You could argue that uh, Lost Highways had too, even though it was played yeah, by the same actor, yeah. same woman. Yeah, yeah. But that's, yeah. Uh, that's another another Whether double it's, movie. That's right. I mean, he has at least one strong female lead in almost all of his yes. films. Like, yeah, and I would argue, yeah, Twin Peaks is definitely two. Oh, what about Blue Velvet? Um, yeah, yeah well, I don't think. Oh, yeah, Isabella Rossellini and. Uh, uh, um, I don't know how strong. Lord Dern. I don't know how strong Laura Dern's. Yeah, I was going to say, I wouldn't describe her as a present strong female lead. Present. Laura Dern's capable of being strong. So, you know. Isabel Rossellini, though, can take a punch in that movie. So. Yeah, Isabella is. Okay. She's a badass, badass lady. Inland Empire had strong rabbit leads. Thank you for rescuing us from that, James. Appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. That is a that's a harsh joke. Harsh no, joke. I, think, I um, mean, I like it, but it's it's like the boom. Lynch has a good way of um, kind of uh, using female characters um, that are either strong, you know, using strong fragility and sexuality. Like he he actually has a really good way of doing that, but in a in a non like not in a misogynistic or kind of like right you know way but he has he always he still gives power to them which is one thing i, lo- I like about his, his films when when he uses women that there's a certain there's so many emotions and so many things that he uses but he always kind of brings it back to this kind of feminine energy that is really strong and poignant yeah no I, that- Heartily agree, and it's again, especially considering that I mean, there, there's a whole there's a whole feminist critique of almost anything Lynch has ever done that is sort of like, is there's this a, really feminism? There, right. <laughs> yeah. Women getting and, 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 murdered and raped. Know, very. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, you can also, you know, you can also say like, what is feminism? What is your feminine? Like, what? Where are you coming from with your feminist critique? I spent years doing feminist theory, 
And I don't even go into that. You know what I mean? If you want to switch that, that switch on and go into that mindset, you can do that to almost any film. You know, you can and, find and they do. It. People do on the you internet. Find yes. it in anything, like <laughs> if, if that's what you're looking for. You know what I mean? Sometimes you you need to look at things as they are, and you know, and, and people forget that that's why feminist stuff and and all that sort of stuff is a theory. It's theoretical. You're looking at something from a theoretical framework. You're not looking at it as you know from yeah. that you know the reality or you know the artistic expression. Those conversations are uh, like uh, this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's I mean, me right there. I was with it. Oh, Jesus Christ. Here we go again. Here we go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And there's always that. There's always that. Uh, so I think it might be time for us to do the thing with the stuff and the other thing, right? Is that, uh, is that vague enough? Yeah. Is that big enough for us? <laughs> so, of course, uh, speaking of uh, people having their say on the internet, <clears throat> that, of course, there is a social media site for film lovers called Letterboxd that everybody gets to participate in. Uh, and isn't just the uh, the major critics of the world almost all wrong about this movie, by the way. Objectively wrong, too. Not just different opinion. No, you are wrong about this. That And there is a difference. Uh, everybody gets to have their say, bottom-up democracy, uh, best express in a, a pithy manner, be the master of pith. Uh, and uh, keep it succinct, keep it enjoyable. Uh, and these are the reviews for the film that we're covering, where we put them on the screen and we uh, read them out and goof on them and agree with them and et cetera, et cetera. Lane, 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 Lane. This one, this one, winding up that bit sounded like. <laughs> really? What? Really? <laughs> that you it sounded like you're like. Well, this is where and then you're like letterbox. I heard you clearly for what it's worth. Thanks, Ray. Yeah. Want to start our own yeah. rebel show? Maybe, we can. We can. Maybe, we don't... maybe my brain is starting to melt. I, I think I heard clearly. All right. Anyway, these are letterbox one liners from Mahan Drive. Insane first date pick on my part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I want to know more information from this. Like, if you if you take a date to this, like, do they get it? Do they get a second date? Because would for me, I'd be like, "Fuck yeah!" <laughs> I'm in. Yeah, well, this is from Say. a chick too, so I'm sure the dude would have enjoyed himself. Or may, maybe it's another girl. And they're like, cheap. they're like, you know what? I need to get the fuck out of here. This is the only put a hit out on me. That's showing. <laughs> Girls say, "I know a place," and then take you to Club Silencio. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's worse places to end up after a night out, you know. It actually looks pretty lit. I was like, I'm not, I'm also, not it's probably three a.m. when they're there, right? Yeah, yeah. I think that that's probably a fair assessment. That's pretty late. In the, yeah, because it's like two a.m. She goes, it's two a.m. By the time I, they get dressed and changed, I'm thinking three a.m. <laughs> <laughs> By the time she had that wig on, <laughs> yeah, right, yeah, right, exactly, right. right. Yeah. yeah, it's like like an hour for the wig alone, right? Yeah, because she doesn't even have a wig net, by the way. She's just pushing her hair in there. <laughs> and her dress was hot. What the hell did David Lynch smoked? <laughs> <laughs> what the hell did La- David Lynch smoked? <laughs> hey, you gave five stars, though. First of all, he watched it in 2566. So what the hell did, what the hell did Big Usama smoked? <laughs> <laughs> By the way, how am I the only person that liked this review? I was like, that's amazing. That's art in and of itself. That's as much yeah. art as the movie is being discussed. 
tip my hat to you, Bigusama. Babe, I can't talk right now. I'm having lunch at Winky's Diner. <laughs> with, with your with your uh, friend from the dream, that guy comes off like as this therapist. I don't know why. In my brain, I'm I like, get that. It's got that vibe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like you, you. It's like you meet up with your therapist. You're like, I want to meet at this diner because I keep having like a stress dream about. <laughs> I want to meet at this diner. They have a fantastic breakfast special. At least explains why he makes him confront the dream, though. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, nope. How have I gone this long without the cowboy in my life? Yo, fats. <laughs> cowboy rocks. But yeah, you, you know what I love too? Uh, that outfit that he wore was from, uh, uh, what is it? Tom, Tom, uh, oh, I can't remember the guys. It was a sil- the first silent film cowboy star. Um, it was like some oh. like Tom cool. Mix, I think his name was. And, um, uh, but, but, uh, he didn't, the, that wasn't a, a, a set costume. Uh, the producer just showed up wearing that dude's clothing, which was like really, <laughs> like, like these things are, are not just like, like these things are, you know, blog and museum. Um, and he just rocks up in it. So, so you know, That's uh, awesome. yeah. That's pretty cool. I mean, because the guy is like a big producer. He's produced like 100 films or something, I think. Yeah. So he looks he's like he should got... be an actor. I don't know how that's the first time that anyone's put him in a film. No, it's, it's, it's kind of remarkable, actually. I mean, if you think about like uh, like the fact, like how perfect he is and. And, mm. and, and the weird line read how too, memorable. adds something to it. <laughs> Well, sure. So, yeah, the guy—the guy's name is Monty Montgomery, by the way. Yeah, Monty Montgomery, and uh, yeah, he's, 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 a, he's um, even a good actor it. name. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. yeah, Monty Montgomery. <laughs> oh, yeah, Monty Montgomery. Get him in this picture. <laughs> uh, but he produced uh, Wild at Heart and uh, uh, David Lynch's Hotel Room, which was a TV miniseries. So he produced like three of those episodes. He produced like a whole bunch of stuff. Like he was. Like he's done a bunch of stuff. He just was never in front of the camera, and it was I was like, Jesus Christ, he should have been under the camera the whole time, you know. Crazy. Yeah, well, well he's got, he looks a lot like I like. Um, I was trying to think when Forrest said he looks like another actor. There is an actor that he looks so much like, which is why originally when I saw him, I thought he was an actor. It's like, are you are you trying to produce this because you think it's good, or is it because you know David Lynch has all the hype? It's like. <laughs> I don't that know, is a great because Justin Throw is being a bit of a, like a pain in the ass smart, yeah. which is established. He's yeah. less of a pain in the ass uh, there than he is later. But like, yeah, his character is obviously not taking it seriously, and 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 it's, I don't know. It's a it's a good it's a good takedown of uh, needless japing uh, from people without uh, consequence. It's yeah. also like it's also like uh, I guess frustrated creative trying to write like a screenplay in their mind, like you know what I mean with like words like. Oh, like, are are you really doing this? Or are you trying to be a smart aleck? And it's like that—that that is something that I can see, like, as a person that writes and you know, isn't very necessarily very good at writing, like how the dialogue you would you would have like a cowboy say would sound. Yeah, I was like smart aleck. I was like, why is he saying smart aleck? I would say, no I curse words in the dream part. That's true. That's a good point. It's no like, like it's you, not you even would say smart ass. ass. Like you'd yeah. say smart ass. Like. Oh, smart ass American, but smart ass over here. But like, yeah, <laughs> smart Alec just sounded odd. It was too. I mean, it's very. It's it very, almost um... makes it creepier, though. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Because it's like smart Alec, and I'm like, because he's Ooh. he's so intimidating too. Like, mm. like there's yeah. just this intensity to him. Absolutely. Yeah, because he's got this such a unique face, and like, just. He also has all these like. There's all these really corny lines going into it. He's like. 
uh what am i supposed to mosey on down to the stable or something and she's like yeah kind of like <laughs> Of all the weird, strange things in this film, why pink paint? Good point. <laughs> you yeah. gotta barbie that shit up. Yeah, it's, it's gonna say just we it was ahead of the curve for the Barbenheimer phenomenon. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, it's you know, Barbenheimer once again. <laughs> but like you know, Billy Ray Cyrus and her are probably just sitting there going like, "I'm so glad your husband did that to you because now we <laughs> can go to the Barbie movie." Yeah. Well, I'm just still mind blown about. Billy Ray Cyrus being in a David Lynch film. Yeah. You know, I was mind blown when Billy Cyrus says, "When I wake up in my own pink world." Yeah. <laughs> when I was watching this just now, I was thinking, like, uh, "Man, who is that Billy Ray Cyrus looking motherfucker?" And looked it up, like, "Oh, it's Billy Ray Cyrus." It's Billy Ray Cyrus. Yeah. You can't treat your wife like that, buddy. I don't care what she did. <laughs> Mentally, I'm behind the dumpsters at Winky's Diner. <laughs> I have some, I have some Feel better, dude. hanging out behind the dumpster at Winky's Diner, you know? Oh, wow. The best part is when Betty asks Rita, a woman with very severe amnesia, if she's ever had sex with a woman before. Girl, <laughs> how the fuck would she know? <laughs> you don't forget something like that. You don't forget your first lesbian experience. I don't care how bad the car accident is. <laughs> That's her one memory. She's like, yeah. I, I have. I have had sex with a woman before. Yeah. But I like their yeah, answer is like, I don't know. <laughs> I was <laughs> like, well, yeah, it's, it's, it is hilarious. Uh, speaking of which, I'm very confused and very turned on at the same time. <laughs> Word. Horrifying trash monster is the most earned jump scare of all time. True. True. Word. It continues yeah. to be so. Hard agreement. Yeah. By the way, that, that, that role, right, is just uh, credited as bum. <laughs> Fantastic. If you play this slowly enough, you can actually watch Miley Cyrus being conceived. Ah! <laughs> it's funny. I was just about to say that Billy Ray Cyrus says that if it wasn't for David Lynch, like there never would have been a Hannah Montana. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, they, you know, they are similar, right? Like, there's two different personalities of. Uh... There's wigs in both, <laughs> blonde wigs. Exactly. But Billy Ray Cyrus actually said that. There you go. There you go. Wow. He also said he of his. his he also said, in, "Don't break he my also, heart, my achy breaking heart." <laughs> he said, <laughs> "David Lynch." Of his. He loves David Lynch, and he changed his life. He felt a little bit dark in the film, and he said, "I remember feeling this might not be what God had in mind." <laughs> I just I love, don't think he'd understand. I love that. I love that Weird Al's uh, "Achy Breaky Heart" parody is literally just "Don't play that song, that Achy Breaky song." Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Such a rotten song. It's not great. This is the greatest the movie cover. ever. This is the greatest movie ever made. I say as I watch the fifth Mulholland Drive explained video on YouTube <laughs> and still don't understand anything. <laughs> they, all, they all are like Mulholland Drive explained finally and it's yeah. like oh, yeah, yeah i'm sure one, huh? i'm all sure right. your your take is gonna be so good that <laughs> yeah yeah it's gotta be this guy this this is this guy cracked the code everybody let's, <laughs> let's watch for this guy anyway those are letterbox one-liners for Mulholland drive please follow the show 
Uh, oh my God, I, I, I can't even do the pointing with these boxes as small as they are. Uh, no, no, hey, Bonda, movie night extra. The Bouncer Club Silencio, your host, Forrest Miller over there. He is representing the show log and all the stuff that we do on here. Uh, on there, I am Conan Neutron at Conan Neutron Silencio. Watching all the highbrow, uh, the midbrow stuff, uh, the populace fair. Uh, two left on my Criterion Challenge. Mm. Two left. So I'm definitely finishing this year. I got two movies to watch before the end of the year. I think I'm going to nail it. <laughs> Yo, uh, have you guys seen? Have you guys seen all the uh, things that are popping up for that movie, The Nun, like that horror movie or whatever? It's like yes. the second one of those. So Bonnie Aarons, who plays the bum, like that jumps mm -hmm. out, the jump scare, is the mm -hmm. same woman that like plays the nun, the demon nun mm -hmm. that's in all the oh, posters okay. that are going yeah. up for that movie. It's quite the stretch. Uh, Jay Andrew, the cowboy world oh, over this way. Nope. Over that way. Nope. Fuck it. Let's Barbie up that jewelry. Let's watch all the weirdest stuff. So you don't have to, or maybe see so you can over there on letterbox right about now too. He's, uh, he's, he's logging it all, whether you're there or not. Uh, Renee Ruin. Hey, pretty girl. Time to wake up. Time to log some stuff on letterbox. Renee Ruin's on good old letterbox as well. You can follow her. Uh, Ray, I don't, are you have a letterbox account? I don't I'm think you not, do. I'm not peer I'm pressuring not. you. I just don't remember. I'm they peer pressured me. You needed you one too, right? <laughs> oh, I did. I definitely peer pressured Renee. Solidarity. Sure. That's because I just want to see her list because she has great taste in movies. Yes. <laughs> so since you have great taste in movies too, Rayvon, I would be interested in your senior list. But Same. you don't have to do it. It's, I'll it's, get just, on. it's just David Lynch films ranked. Right. <laughs> That'll be my name on Letterboxd. <laughs> yeah. You can just call yourself Dream Warrior because they're all, that seems to be a very run, running theme. Uh, Jandrew. The cowboy world, please take it away with plugs, why don't you? All right. Well, uh, thank you for watching. You're obviously watching us on, uh, you know, either uh, YouTube or, or uh, Twitch. And sorry. And you're busting I'm my chops by introing the bit? What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> was I? Oh, by the way, shout out to, no, shout out just... to Sane uh, for the super chat. Yeah. Thanks for, the, thanks for the super chat. It was just me busting your balls, but I think it's just yeah, my I, brain I was... isn't. It's just because my brain is not. I've, I've like reached that point because it sounded in my head like bit, 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 bit. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, I got it. <laughs> <laughs> fight, fight. A chain. Thank you, thank you so much for the super chat. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't see that. I, I would open it on screen. Sorry, you already bailed. Uh, yeah. So what, what, what? So what are we, what are we asking people to do? <laughs> yeah, we, we, do the YouTube things. Like, comment, subscribe, hit that bell, and of course the big ask. Uh, watch the video to the end. You get that great Kona Neutron song, and uh, that allows us to be discovered by other film fans. So, so if you can't do that, like that's all stuff you don't have to pay for to, to do. If you're over right. on Twitch, um, you can do the Twitch stuff. Throw us a sub. If you happen to have a Amazon Prime account, you can subscribe for free. Doesn't cost you a penny, but actually helps us out a lot. Uh, thank you so much for for uh, doing all those things. Um, uh, you can find us on social media. We're on Facebook. We're on uh, Twitter. Blue Sky, and of course, Instagram. So please uh, find us, follow us on there. Um, yell at us because like, we, we're happy to talk to you. Um, uh, <laughs> a lot of you yell really at are. us. No, don't. If you yell at me, I won't talk to you. I guarantee you I won't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Co Coda's going to be away. So, you know, he's, he's like. I'll just know, have Ravana answer every message. It'll be great. Yes. <laughs> she'll she'll, she'll send it right. Every single time. <laughs> <laughs> it was applied. Yeah. <laughs> If you uh, also want to help out the show, we have a Patreon. Uh, we're doing an after party later tonight. and uh, But if you want to go back and watch some of our past after parties, like the time Ravana brought uh, Smasher Pash with Muppets. Ah, uh, yes. 
the infamous Muppet Smasher Pass. We all yes. know who is a smash. Janice, Janice, Janice. Anyway. So you can hear Yo, but surprising... you got you gotta fucking if you're gonna smash Janice, you better wear a rubber because you don't know. I mean, <laughs> animal, Dr. Teeth, you know what I mean? Like they're they're all in there. They're all in don't... there. Are we slut shaming Muppets now? Is that what Yeah, yeah I don't appreciate <laughs> my girl Janice right now. Yeah. I, I mean just because she has some dude's hand up her ass. Right. <laughs> Could be a woman. Well, I mean, not not as we were kids. But. Look, Janice plays rip and lead guitar in Electric Mayhem, and she right. should be recognized as such. She's a bad bitch. Right? Yeah, exactly. absolutely. You would and be lucky, of... Forrest. Exactly. <laughs> she's uh, she's she's the third kid of Billy Ray Cyrus. No. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, you know that whole meme of the uh, uh, re replace the entire cast of a movie with Muppets except for one character. I would say Justin Thoreau. And everyone else's Muppets. Yes. Yes. <laughs> oh, see, yeah. I, I would say, I would say, uh, like having this movie with Naomi Watts and she's losing her mind and she's the only character, but everybody else is Muppets. Like, oh man, is Waldorf and Statler are like the old, uh, the old couple? <laughs> <laughs> that, that would really change up the line though, where they're like, uh, they're like, oh, I hope I see you on the big screen. And the other one would be like, I hope I don't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, speaking of ripping uh, electric guitar solos, Conan, you have a uh, big tour coming yeah. up. I guess I do. I'm leaving for it on Saturday. That was actually a very good segue, Andrew. So yeah. Yeah. No, I had that in my back pocket, ready to go. Um, <laughs> That's good. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's Conan Nuch on the Secret Friends on tour uh, West Coast. Um, I think I got the, the date somewhere here. Uh, yeah. Uh, Phoenix, L.A., San Francisco, Sacramento, Reno, Eugene, Portland, Bellingham, Seattle, and the last two things are Bellingham Exit Fest and Rat City Recon in Seattle. So, going to be doing some rocking. Here we go. Finally found it. Not, not great. Ooh. Nobody can read it. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is how I'm feeling right now. <laughs> it's like it's like espresso's coming out of all of her body. Exactly, exactly. Uh, but yeah, neutronfriends.bandcamp.com. Uh, all of the various shows are on Songkick, Bands in Town, all those things. Um, if you live on the West Coast, come see us. If not, we will probably see you in 2024. Yeah, Conan, and, uh, Conan will play you that song, that achy breaky song. Exactly. <laughs> and, and if you're on the East Coast, you can't make it to any of those. You can get uh, Adult Prom. Yes, which officially released, uh, yes, absolutely, uh, officially released uh, to the things that are not Bandcamp and to the world at large week from Friday at the time of this recording. So uh, it's, it's if you have purchased ahead of time, you may already have your vinyl or CD or digital, but um, yeah, to the world at large a week from Friday. Fantastic. And of course, you still have Protonic Reversal, which is your great podcast. Yes, I do. And yes, it is. And uh, um, wait, who was, uh, who was this week? I, I'm blanking on that. I did not write it down. Uh, well, this week coming up, it's uh, Mike McGinnis from Rid of Me and Fight Amp and uh, Knife Hits Records. So, and that's going to be the last one before tour. And I'm frankly surprised I'm even doing that. But I, I got a bunch of good stuff uh, for when I get back from tour. So there's a bunch of, there's a bunch of Protonics. There you go. That's the end. There's, the, there's all the dates right now. Um, and of course, you can always dig into the archives. The John Baisley from Baroness episode has been, uh, uh, people have been digging that one a lot. That's a John's that's a cool, yeah, yeah. good dude. I'll be, I'll be picking up some random episodes for the uh, from the archives to, to, to plug while you're out. So. A lot of them, yeah, 
<laughs> By the way, we also have uh, we have we have the link in the description uh, of at least if you're watching this on YouTube to get the tickets to see Conan on tour. Oh, fantastic! Yeah, yeah. Rat yeah. City Recon tickets are actually going pretty fast because uh, there's like big businesses playing and um, nuclear dudes and a bunch. Of, it's it, it's gonna be amazing. That's at a roller rink. Did I ever mention that? By the way, the end of this tour is at a roller rink that like does shows. It's it's That's gonna be cool awesome. Though. Yeah, I'm I'm I've been wanting to play there for a long time, and this is like the thing to play. So I'm very very happy that we're going to be ending the tour with that. Christina had to uh, duck out, but uh, please, if you can, uh, go check out uh, her Patreon, uh, support her, check out her Twitch channel. Uh, you know when she's when she's actually on. Uh, it's uh, Patreon.com/slash/Cosmopolitics. Uh, so <laughs> there we go. Um, Fozzie uh, Bear plays Dennis Hopper's character in Blue Velvet. <laughs> amazing. That'd be amazing. Yes. And, and everyone, uh, the fuck. <laughs> the awareness no. record is really good. We go into it in depth, uh, Christina. Yeah, so if you're interested, it's a banger. Check it out. But but uh, Rivana, you, you've uh, you're back, and you, you've been uh, on TYT doing the TYT stuff. I have. I'm uh, filling in for John on the Damage Report every Friday, um, and every Wednesday I'm on with Jr. Jackson, which is super fun. I'm also hosting the main show the first hour every Friday until John gets back in November. I'm going to be at TwitchCon at the end of October in Las Vegas. It's going to be super fun. So if anyone's in and around the Vegas area and wants to meet up with your favorite political commentator slash David Lynch enjoyer, hit me up. Let me know. Um, Taking the L is back, my podcast. Oh, cool. So check that out wherever you get your podcasts or subscribe to our Patreon if you have a couple extra bucks. Uh, You can follow me on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Ravana. You can also sub to me there if you want to give me money. I'd love it if you wanted to give me money. It'd be great. So please do. Um, Otherwise, all my updates on what I'm doing are on Twitter twitter.com slash is it still twitter ravana (laughs) at ravana ttv on twitter um also if you're capable of going to see conan's show you shows you should go to some tour dates it's their great band put on a great performance i saw them live it was fantastic even got a song dedicated to me maybe that'll happen to you so you should all try to make time if you're able to go see conan (laughs) Thank you, Ray. Appreciate it. <laughs> Our Rebel show is going to be great that we do. Absolutely. Are you playing on the 30th, <laughs> on the 30th Conan? What about it? Hi, You playing on the 30th? Uh, of this month? No, no, no. That's a driving day. Uh, I think we're maybe going to hang out with Chat Pile for another show, Reagan Bush. Oh, sweet. Because uh, I, I missed him in Chicago. I just I couldn't, I couldn't do it. So Yeah, I missed him in Lawrence. Minneapolis. I mean, I saw a set, but, you know, I didn't get to talk to him. Ah, okay. Yeah, we saw the set. We were both there for the set. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was just befuddled yeah, by the whole he, interaction. Uh, so. He rambled on about what movies were filmed in Minneapolis. for like. Yeah, movies, yeah. Movies, and about how he was wearing the same outfit as he did last year. <laughs> Which was just like a pair of shorts. <laughs> the, the actual stage banter was better than what Andy's leading to believe. But yeah, the, the, the great, great band, good, good buds, and uh, friend of the show. Yeah. Yes. yes. What, what are we on? Who's who's up next? R- Renee. Hey. We we need to talk Me. about uh, some some uh, night uh, shift. Yeah. So. <laughs> Yeah, night shift. Um, I was pulling for you. I was like, is he going to get that second word? Let's see. <laughs> night, night, shit, no. Night shift. 
um, podcast <laughs> where um, would not subscribe, by the way, <laughs> <laughs> which is myself, um, Jenna Hayes, Bonnie Burton. Um, so that's our podcast, which is just basically just on horror films and you yeah. know a female eye on it. Um, our next one coming up, which unfortunately we had to uh, move because there was some animal issues um, with Jenna. Um, so the next one is Infinity Pool, which is October 7 and October 8 in Australia. Um, and then we are also um, having a really exciting one, um, October 13th and 14th in Australia. We're going to be doing Perpetrator and we'll be having the director, Jennifer Reader, on with us. Oh, cool. So nice. Um, so that one will yeah, be- I, I liked cool. Infinity Pool. It's, it's, it's fucked, but I like it. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's, That's it's, like you're like, oh, yeah, very good. Um, Still my favorite Marvel movie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And, and yeah, and um, yeah, Perpetrator, it's straight up our alley. Female, female power, blood, you know, it's our thing. We're also, <laughs> and, um, we're also doing our uh, our monthly Renee episode next month. We're doing Hereditary. Hereditary, yes. That's well. right. Long time coming on that one. Yeah. yeah. I absolutely love that film. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, also, in October coming up, I'm just waiting on the date. Might be the October 6th, I think, in, in America. Um, I'm going to be on the Alien Murder Sex podcast. So I'll be talking about the cult, um, the family from Australia, from Melbourne. Mm. Um, and then we'll also be the end of that podcast is also a section on a porn. So we've actually, I've actually got the rights um, from Kimberly Kane and um, we're going to be doing one of her um, ones with Sasha Gray, a scene that I picked. Um, so we're doing a long, longer segment. Um, and I've been told that this is the, uh, will be the most professional slash um, <clears throat> decent porn they've ever reviewed. <laughs> <laughs> they normally pick what, really what are they getting up to on this show <laughs> at the end of each show they normally do like put yeah. a porn bit on and just take the piss out of it and review it and it's usually a really yeah. terrible there's porn. some people behind the dumpster and <laughs> yeah just the shittest porn you, you can find however this i i've i was like hey i've got connects let me get some decent yeah. something cool in there so Gonna class that yeah. show up Imagine, yeah, so, oh, imagine being somebody that like shoots like amateur porn, and then you realize it's on a podcast, and there's people reviewing <laughs> it, and you're like, like no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a really funny show, and yeah, they just—it's all about um, aliens, true crime, um, that kind of thing. But yeah, I'm going to be sort of um, educating everybody on the family, and if you haven't, don't know much about them, I strongly suggest you check out the documentary which is just called the family and they look like the children from village of the damned <laughs> they've all Alien, got white aliens true crime up. and somebody's rock bottom yeah <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that's that's an interesting one which i think will be fun um and then i also have a huge four-page spread um coming out in um girls to the front zine which i think will be oh, cool. printed next month so there'll be a huge launch party, et cetera, for that. And then Very rad. this Friday, um, I uh, there's Ray, Renee Ruin Presents um, with Shop Kickers Melbourne, which is a venue. I've put on um, a three-band lineup uh, show, which is big celebration for my birthday. So for those of Yay. you in Australia that want to come on down, it's free entry, starts at 8 o'clock. 
um, yeah, it's with Serpet, Dead, and the Black Death Heart Club. Dead, so, who are my buddies as well, and Dead uh, are Jen amazing. Has I love been them. Been on the show on Protonic yeah. multiple times. They were a great band. They were a uh, prerequisite to the to the party. <laughs> Try, trying to my, bring them the Caterwaul next year, actually. Yeah, Ooh. they're amazing. Um, yeah, so they are. Um, it's going to be a rad night. So um, yeah, free entry. Come on down and. You can find everything um, across all my social platforms just under Renee Ruin and links to everything there. Oh, I should also say, uh, presumably, I mean, Christina will really like feel better by then, but uh, we're going to be on Dan from the Internet show on Thursday, I guess. And we're going to be talking about presumably the debate, I think, but the debate's oh, tomorrow, but we're not going to be on for that. So, yeah. There you go. But uh, starting, I guess, with Renee, let's hear some final thoughts. Yeah. Okay. Well, for me, um, yeah, I love this film simply for the fact that it just teeters the edge of what is and isn't. And no matter how many times you watch, you, you, you see new things, you start to appreciate different ways things work. And I think that, you know, it really... Um, yeah, I just love the way that Lynch has worked into this, the whole idea of fantasy and reality and, you know, what behind the curtain. And, yeah, I think Naomi Watts did a phenomenal job um, in this role um, and oh, yeah. in her career at the time that she did this role, she hadn't done a lot. So, you know, I think um, she, this this was a really big breakout for her. Um, it was also and, like... I, I'm pretty sure um, I didn't play the clip where she was talking about it, but I think it was like uh, she was kind of thinking about giving up because she hadn't been able to do a lot. And then David Lynch yeah. was like, I love this face. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. She was in um, like, like, what was it? She was in Tank Girl, if I remember, if I remember right. Tank Girl, crazy. correct. Yeah, yeah. that yes, was the yes, first. Jack Girl. That was her first right. like big kind of Hollywood go. Yeah. Second fiddle to Laura Petty, yeah. <laughs> yeah. By the yeah. way, I should say uh, we're longer than the actual Mulholland Drive as of yeah, now. Okay. <laughs> well, it kind of had to happen, didn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, no, and as I said, I love the way it's shot. The cinematography is amazing. And, yeah, again, I just love, I just love that tightrope walk between what is real and what isn't real and interpretation. And David Lynch is very good at, at um creating narratives that can bend and stretch and change to how the person who's viewing it um, may perceive it. And sometimes that changes with time when you watch it again. So, yeah, I think, you know, it's it's an incredible film and it's like we've discussed many times before, the difference between a movie and a film. And, you know, right. if you go into it with that expectation, then I think, you know, you can't go wrong. But if you're going in there to expecting some clear-cut um baby fed thing then you're watching the wrong movie <laughs> like apparently every critic did in 2001 jesus yeah, yeah it's, yeah. it's you not that you're not going to get that rough. i don't know how any david lynch person would ever think that they could that that would be what they would get <laughs> it's like a race ahead dude what like, yeah. do you not watch it like <laughs> yeah, buy the ticket you're take never going to watch a film by david lynch and know what's going to happen I mean, fucking Blue Velvet has like multiple just lip synced like musical scenes that happen. Right. In the of it. Like, I don't know how you could <laughs> like expect that out of 
or expect a normal like a normal i mean this movie i think is coherent but like normal coherent the first time you watch it experience from a david lynch movie Mm. but if there's one thing you should expect out of a david lynch movie it is a scene where someone sings an entire song on stage (laughs) the full song every episode of more than one every episode of twin peaks the return ended with someone singing a full song not an abridged (laughs) version no no no, every part of it even james who I must say has never been cool. I'm sorry, not to no. be an asshole, but no. This, this movie had they sang the entirety of. Uh, I mean, obviously the crime, but also 16 reasons. Yeah. <laughs> because like, why not? Um, Ray, final thoughts. Final thoughts. I think a lot of creatives, a lot of artists, like to create something and put it out in the world and say, you know, how you feel about this is up to your interpretation. I don't think David Lynch is one of those people. I think he has an answer and he's going to give you zero clues to figure out what it is. So you better get on that. And like, and if you are a big David Lynch fan, you're going to wreck yourself trying to figure out what that answer is. And that's fine. And that's part of the enjoyment of the movies, the films, and then the community around the films. Um, wonderful film. You have to watch it more than once. Oh, and my camera just died. So that's perfect timing, but I'm going to keep talking anyway. Um, <laughs> Because I'm sure people listening back to this or on audio didn't even know that. So, <laughs> um, exactly. but yeah, no, fantastic film. You know, you, you, I think Renee's summed it up exactly right. If you go back and you watch it, you're going to catch something new every single time. And it's going to, you know, mean something different to you every time. So go in with an open mind. Obviously, don't rewatch it every day or you <laughs> might drive yourself just as crazy as her <laughs> character in the film. But, you know, uh, something to revisit multiple times there you go for sure i watched it three times in five days maybe that's why i, I received <laughs> yes. maybe that's why i received conan as just making noises rather than <laughs> right right exactly <laughs> under the influence yeah. uh andy final yeah, this, this is a fun and beautiful film i mean just like you know one of uh david lynch's best looking films um certainly and it was the talk of the town uh back when when uh this movie came out and i remember there was a lot of discussion around it um and yes a lot of people didn't like it but that uh, you know um if you dug deep enough there were a few people who, who uh you know like you had to really dig just like you know finding uh people who are against the iraq war they, they, they were out there <laughs> Or just like you're flicking your bean real, you know, real. <laughs> real um, but but uh, no, this this movie is is uh, yeah. There, there's just so much. There, there it is. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Yes, yeah, so so much to it. Um, the, there is meaning to the color that's uh, being used. So um, uh, definitely like. Uh, I wish I had a little more time to to have watched it a second time before I, I did this because it is actually great on uh, rewatches. I only had one viewing before uh, the episode, um, and I don't think I've seen it since I originally watched it many many years ago. So, uh, but yeah, this is a movie you want to watch, sit with, and really just digest, and then maybe watch it again, or you know, sit by the lake, touch grass. That's good too. <laughs> But this is a movie show, so I think it's notable that, yeah. <laughs> Watch the movie. Yes. Um, Cowboy Conan. Sure. So, yeah, once again, this is one of my top 20 and maybe top 10 films of all time. And I think it's uh, so nuanced and full of feeling, both justified and unjustified. It's a scathing indictment of Hollywood's uh, world and a deeply emotional ride of 
basically one woman's terrifying emotional journey. And I think the performances are astounding. Uh, career maker for Naomi Watts, uh, underrated for Laura Herring. And the hypnotic mood is second to none. And the narrative, while confusing to many, is uh, deep and sprawling. And I really love how David Lynch can make commonplace things seem bizarre and bizarre things seem commonplace. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that Diane's story, and it, it's definitely Diane, not Betty, is a true tragedy, and not the least of which is because she believes all the things that are happening to her are because of some conspiracy. It's literally just the system, and that's even more soul-crushing. She was too uh, much but, of an anti-establishment truth-teller. <laughs> exactly. People are trying to shut her down. Uh, <laughs> but, but what I like is that this kind of film is, uh, makes you question every preconception, every symbol in a good way. And I think Lynchian is overused, and I have even been guilty of this sometimes. Uh, you see something unorthodox and dreamlike, uh, you invoke Lynch. But the thing about Mahal and Drive is it feels... <laughs> you're, actually, you're actually dreaming and you're like, this is just like a David Lynch movie. <laughs> <laughs> There's a comic strip in there somewhere. Uh, but the thing is, Mahal and Drive actually feels like a dream and almost no other director can do that. And as I mentioned earlier, uh, when this came out, idiots said that Lynch didn't know to tell a story. I think it's very telling that this has now been redeemed as a masterwork, and I'm glad for it. I'm glad to be able to cover it with uh, with all y'all. Yeah, and one thing that we didn't touch on that I'll just say as a final thing is, um, I think it's notable that he doesn't give her like the Nora Desmond moment. Uh, right. The Nora, like at the end of Sunset Boulevard, she gets the moment where she's like, you know, in front of all the cameras, and she's finally uh, facing stardom, and it's like, you know, an indictment of how much stardom can be negative or positive. And I like that David Lynch um, didn't give her that moment. She just blows her brains it, out. It would, it would have, yeah, made no sense in the narrative. Or, well, not just. I'm not saying like identical scene, but like you know that that fulfillment, right? Like she doesn't get anything she wants in the end. She just gets her. her she never got anything she wanted in life yeah. too. So it all it all fits together. Yeah. Tracks. So I like that. That, that. That's my final thought. Also, no, I Banda. Oh.